This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. We watched Blue Like Jazz, and we're going to talk about it today on Good Christian Fun. Yeah, I'm a Army Hammer Cannibal. Consider the source. Hey. Car. Consider the source. I love to beat everything. Need that noodle thing left? Consider the source. I'm a fan of my mom. Consider the source. Stop it, Jack and All that Jack All that Jack All that. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. <laughs> We're going to have Good Christian Fun. That's uh, burning the charts at number one on the EDM <laughs> Dance Club charts. That's oh my all about parentheses jacking off by A Caroline. C-Money original. By her recorded name, Caroline Chick. Now, you record as an I artist do, I, under the name I use my maiden name for, yeah, my, yeah, right. for my recording <laughs> work. <laughs> Good Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, the movies and the music and the entertainment <laughs> that formed us and shaped us and made us who we are and gave us all yeah. of our beliefs and ideology. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just about that stuff because we get bored sometimes. But it's mostly about <laughs> the former. But we're not here to make fun of you or to make you go to church. We're just here to have fun. It's okay. It's a chill time with your friends. This is, you know, this is the equivalent of like you go to a party and you don't really know anyone, but then you make an obscure reference to Stephen Curse Chapman and some girl in the corner is like, wait, did you listen to Speechless? And you're like, yeah. And then you talk about it for an hour and a half, but she can't stop talking about jacking off in the process of doing so. Right, 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 right. You know, everybody likes to to freak it for Jesus in different ways some mm. do it every sunday morning yeah come some on. do it in the in the studio that's right which is where i like to to praise god some on their <laughs> knees some in stewed some in the sanctuary and for caroline and i the studio is the sanctuary and that's kind of <laughs> what we're here to <laughs> that's do right yeah to no, give it, it up lift it up bust it down for the lord it's a safe space mm-hmm. holy spirit rain down on these uh producer dials <laughs> caroline this comes out the day of my producer fo- dials producer dials no i i can <laughs> tell that you've going? you've mixed and mastered the show for the last three Sound and a half engineering. years yeah that's what i do this episode comes out the day of my full immunity kicking in wow congrats your full immunity is here right i am fully immune as of two days ago how have you taken advantage of it licking Licking. Okay, I'll ask no more questions. <laughs> okay, she took advantage of it by licking. That's right. And I may take advantage of. I might. Yeah. I, what are you gonna do? I might go to a restaurant. You gonna go crazy? I might. I might Ooh. go. I, I might see if Chili's has some outdoor seating options in Encino, 
And You're, uh, that's where you like to freak it is at yeah, Chili's. That's right. <laughs> Find me at the Chili's in Encino <laughs> or in Monrovia. Freaking wow. it. So you've waited, you know, a year and a month, a year and change. Mm-hmm. And stop number one in the great wide world beyond the public. Mm-hmm. As to, a place where you can like get chicken donut fritters or something. No, I don't know if, if, if I told you, Caroline, but they did give me the, the Moderna second dose, not in the form of a needle, but in the form of a Southwestern egg roll. And they did shove it in my A Cadillac mouth. margarita. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fantastic. The, the movie today is Blue Like Jazz, a movie based on a memoir from 2003. And the movie was 2012. It is a rich text. It's a rich text specifically for this show. This, oh my this God. movie is is rotten and lousy with GCF alumni. There are so many people who've been on our show that are in the movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about, including perhaps a very special guest who we're going to introduce right now, friends and folks. You may know him as an actor and comedian, as the voice of Trump on Jimmy Kimmel Live, or in movies like Hail Caesar, shows like Bear Call Saul or Future Man. Give it the hell up for James Austin, Austin Johnson! Yeah. Ooh, I love those triumphant chords. Jazz. You know, it's blue like jazz, and we're doing it with blue Kevin, like jazz. J A J. James Austin Johnson, baby. Can oh I make a rule God. for the episode? Sure. Which is that we either refer to the to the topic, which we will get to later, mm-hmm. as either blue like jizz or Blue like Jadge in honor of our guest. Blue like Jadge. I think yeah. I think it's got to like be that. blue like Jadge. I, I know Caroline like last night both. You, you were struggling. I think we can interchange them, and it just depends okay, on where great. we go. Caroline uh, <laughs> shared with me that she couldn't stop typing in blue like jizz into every search platform. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was taking notes. <laughs> now is that jizz like the genre of music that the cantina, the cantina band plays band? in Star Wars? <laughs> or is that what is, they call it? Yeah. Or is it jizz like, you know, a man's seed, in which case it should be blue ball jizz? <laughs> I, th- I think that's <laughs> only appropriate. Blue, blue ball jizz. Okay, Caroline, you got to make a decision. Are we calling it blue like jadge or blue ball jizz? You guys, you know this is killing me. <laughs> it's, it's make painful. a decision. This is the sound I hear whenever I have blue balls, by the way. <laughs> that's no moon. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. I'm going to call it jadge. Uh, man. You'll never find a more wretched hive. <laughs> <gasps> James Austin Johnson, the man of mm. a thousand voices on Twitter. Oh, That's yeah, what sure, they call not? you. They, but it they is. always tag it with on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? You know what I got made fun of in high school for? You know what my like nickname for a few years in high school? I I did one stand up set at fourteen at the school talent show. Wow, freshman year. So much courage. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, courage. And, um, and, and, uh, I, I, I made a splash at the talent show. My first couple times I did stand up were good. And then the next five years of doing teen Christian stand up were horrendous. No. Um, but the second time was still good. And, um, uh, people were a buzz in the school. I was new. It was one of those, <laughs> went to, I went to one of those Baptist high schools where everyone else goes from kindergarten on because their parents are terrified of their children's. Uh-huh ideology ever Present. being challenged. Oh, you did it. You did <laughs> it too. So I was a public school system boy my entire life and then my parents yanked me out of my like magnet school and put me into a Baptist private school. We're not even Baptist. Actually, 
the Church of the Nazarene, which my entire family is uh, has run almost um, oh. uh, that they that uh, the ideology is very different from the Baptists. Uh, the the doctrine is so it was weird that I went to a Baptist school, but a Baptist school is better than a public school. You know what? You know what I'm talking about? Lesser two evils. Lesser two evils. And it was a buzz. This new kid, the Nazarene kid, was so good at the stand-up. The drama (laughs) teacher um, advertised- Did they nickname you Samson, at least, or something? Oh, my God. I wish it was biblical. (laughs) You got to remember that a lot of these these Baptist high school kids are dumb, even about Christian- Christianity. (laughs) Like, they're they're just dumb. So they don't even know the biblical stuff. Uh. So- um, so uh, my, the drama, anyway, I got to wrap up this shitty anecdote. My, Stretch my, it <laughs> out. Keep going. Never stop. My drama teacher used me as marketing in the morning announcements one time. Uh, oh, my God. Promoting the improv coffee house. She said, and funny man, Austin Johnson will be there. <laughs> I went by Austin Johnson most of my life. And funnily enough, leaving the Christian conservative film uh, scene, um, I, I moved on to my full name, James Austin Johnson, because I was credited in all of those things as oh Austin Johnson. And I wanted to I wanted to draw a line in the sand. So there's B J A J and A J A J. You know what? Keep when I get out, a, <laughs> when I get a twenty two cent check from October Baby as I did this morning <laughs> and it's credited to Austin Johnson, I go, Who's that man? Who is that man, and what happened to him? I'm sorry, him. Austin Johnson can't come to the phone right now. Why? <laughs> yeah. Because millions of unborn children are dead. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you know what? Actually, the person um, that uh, uh, God actually sent a person to tell Austin Johnson uh, to come to the door. You aborted it. Whoa. Yeah, so oh, think man. about that. Think That's about powerful. that. Do you ever this think about real, that? This is a Paul to Saul story. Wait, this is wait what, what this was is. the nickname you got? Was it Funny Man? Funny. My <laughs> friends called me Funny Man Austin Johnson for the rest of high school, and it took on a new, like, perfect. Oh um, my God. It aged like wine because mm-hmm. my the next all the next times that they saw me doing comedy were so bad. <laughs> that is. Oh, I'm kind of with your friends on that one. I think I would call you that too. But you you don't need to be with shy affection. about this part of your story. One of your close friends was Eddie Vedder, and he did sing it to the tune of, <laughs> you know, to the tune of the song. <laughs> one second, let me alert my wife that the pizza man has just Marco! entered the lobby. Marco! The pizza man has been let into the front door. Oh, he leans out of the closet so he's door. He's going to... <laughs> This is this is covenant marriage in, in action. This is a kink that we're watching, basically. <laughs> I okay, know. and I have kink in action. <laughs> I have re-entered the okay. Podcast. We're in, back in the space. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, should I should I set up that awesome Eddie Vedder joke again? <laughs> <laughs> I loved your Eddie Vedder joke. <laughs> I love Eddie Vedder. Can I tell you that? I yeah. I mean I like him all. He's definitely what Mac Powell is doing on all those third day records. Absolutely, my ba- my, sir. We've talked Donald about Miller that very comparison too. before. My wife and I. Well, you know what? The Christ- I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, by the way, where they make all Christian media. They make it all in Nashville, Tennessee. It's all and there. Have you been? Actually, yes. I Caroline, have. why were you out there? <sighs> For the basic reason of having a bachelorette party. But I did have a oh, friend yeah. that lived there. So, you know, we were anchored. It was actually more of a community 
moment Jesus, <laughs> more than anything <laughs> I was dancing it's, on a table <laughs> it's so fun to see the bachelorette parties and think like this is where they make the country music this is where they make the Christian music this is where they make all of the entertainment that the real America listens to mm-hmm. and uh, and watches and uh, the Christian film scene that is a kind of a newer idea at least yes a, it took it a minute to adapt to the the George Lucas <laughs> model of like uh, <laughs> buy buy digital cameras and shoot whatever the hell you want sure. and someone will release it. And uh, I think it was really, it took digital for Christian shit to really pop off and, and mm. get in theaters. Um, well, before but, uh, we get to all that, I would love to know yeah. personally about your own specific journey with Christianity okay. yourself. Well, you know what, guys? This is well-documented, so if you're a huge Jadge fan and you've heard this story before, just just sit this one out for a minute. <laughs> Jadge like, take a break. Because <laughs> this is like, it's it's crazy to actually be on a like Christianity-focused podcast because um, this is like just a story that, because of my own psychological development, just comes up on all the other shows that are like, <laughs> oh. why are you fucked up? You know how every other <laughs> yeah. every other yes. podcast is like you're you're weird. Tell us why. <laughs> um, and uh, okay, so um, my entire family uh, uh, is part of the Church of the Nazarene and uh, very committed to it to the point that my grandfather um, r- was one of the eight general superintendents for the Church of the Nazarene, which means Whoa. that he was one of the um, uh, uh, prime ministers of Nazarene anything. And uh, now he would that fly- makes me think of the Mormon church structure. Is there any sort of? I, I don't know how churches grasping here. No, I, I really do. I'm like curious. Does it run that way? You know, and like some of the dom- denominations are very formal. Um. Yeah, I would say it runs. It has a structure, and it's very you know bu- bureaucratic and stuff. There's a headquarters, and there's people in suits filing papers and stuff. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't compare it to um, Mormonism. Uh, almost in any way, because uh, I wouldn't say that it's so uh, ceremonial, and I also wouldn't say that the the doctrine and practices of the Nazarene Church are as um, sort of intrusive into every aspect of your life as uh, okay. as the Mormon lifestyle would be. Mm. The Nazarenes never needed to relocate somewhere so that they could do it all the way. You know <laughs> what I mean? And um, yes. that seems to be the story of Mormonism is like, oh, no, 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 no. This is so important that that <laughs> second Bible, second right. Bible, second um, Bible. We're just really misunderstood no by Nazarene the U.S. law. So we Utah. need to go to a new state. <laughs> um, that said, it is kind of headquartered out of Kansas. So, you oh, know, okay. Kansas is its promised land. Um, but uh, and then and then my, my my other grandfather ran a Nazarene college called Trevecca Nazarene University, which is in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And um, uh, my parents met at, at Trevecca. Um, uh, my, both of my brothers went. I went. Um, and uh, it is my parents' church home. Uh, the, the church on campus is my parents' like home headquarters. And um, literally every aspect of my family's social life was centered around the the Trevecca community. Mm-hmm. So, so I grew up, you know, rollerblading on, on the same campus that I eventually, um, you know, masturbated in, in its showers. Um, um, I hate to ask you this. Rollerblades I, f- I know it's off. disrespectful, <laughs> but do, for yourself, do you call it Jajanoff? Jajanoff? You know what? <laughs> I should. Um, I, know about and I think, I think this episode just went from, 
from blue like jadge to blue ball jizz. I think we do need to <laughs> yeah. put. But I do think we're that we're going to continue to go back and forth. We'll but transition. That's, that's the thing about jizz as an art form is you go into one and the other. It's the spaces in between it's what you're medium. talking about. That's right. 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 Uh, okay. It's really weird to think that you are like. Uh, I, I uh, media depicts. I, I kind of had this entire thing growing up because I was uh, obsessed with movies and TV shows and books and and a sponge. Obviously, I'm in comedy now, so I'm an outcast who uh, absorbs information at a crazy rate. And that's <laughs> I think I think that's the recipe for becoming a comedian is that you hear everything that's being said at all times and mm -hmm. you can regurgitate it perfectly. And uh, uh, and also, you're a weirdo in any situation you've ever been in growing up. Why else would you want to do comedy unless you were the weirdo in every single room you were ever in? And I would, I would, I would say that uh, being Nazarene gave me that outcast uh, feeling anywhere I went, especially almost when I entered the Baptist zone when I worked for Lifeway. Mm in uh, middle school and high school and when you, I- You were um, a little bookstore clerk at Lifeway, the Christian bookstore? No, no, you don't understand, honey. I I worked for Lifeway Christian Resources, the, the I, I worked for the skyscraper. I, I worked for- Like the, the corporate- in middle school? Of <laughs> I appeared in like so many children's sermon starters and no. so many- As an like, actor. As an actor, I was oh in that God. skyscraper all the time from a very young age. And and if you wanted to be on camera in Nashville, you were either going to be a ripped dude in country music videos, being like the guy in the bar that's like, hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. I was not ripped, <laughs> corn-fed guy. So, Or you were going to be comic relief in anti-abortion dramas. So, so that was sort of what my options were. And I, Two types I, of men. The two <clears throat> types of guys. And so I just grew up uh, uh, in the church. Um, let's see, uh, 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 church. You know, three times a week: Saturday, uh, sorry, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And um, my parents were in choir, and it was all happening on this college campus. So it was just kind of like I was there almost every day. That's crazy. And yeah, it's weird. It was, and that's where you went to college eventually. And that's where I went to college. And wow, this so, what, that one place, yeah. This community, it has like uh, an old folks towers. It has um, you know, like a hospice. It has. Oh, wow. uh, it, it used to have an elementary and high school that burned down. Um, my oh. my my grandfather remembers that, and and I think he tried to help put out the fires in the 30s or 40s. Oh my god! Um, yeah. So this is just like the community that my entire family is completely wrapped up in. My mm. my my mom's dad was president of it from 1979 to 1991. Wow. There was a building on campus, the Adams Administration Building, with a gigantic portrait of my grandfather. Of cousin it. So it. Oh, I see. Oh okay. my god, <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, so yeah, so your this... family is like a core, like founding member almost of of this place. That's like also the nerve center of the Church of Nazarene. Is what you're saying? It is, and there was a there was an anxiety among the community members that I could sense starting very young based on the kinds of things I would say to try to be funny, which was my <laughs> daily goal was be mm -hmm. funny. Um, where people were like, Oh, you know, that guy from the Johnson clan, uh, says a lot of spicy stuff. Uh, uh, 
I would fail constantly trying to be edgy, spicy, edgelord, but also as devout as possible and as committed as possible because it was it was what you did. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a good son. I wanted to be a good Christian. I wanted to go to heaven an infinite number of times. I wanted to go to double heaven. I wanted to to go to triple heaven heaven, if possible. Super heaven. You wanted, wanted to go to super heaven. You wanted like Groundhog Day, but it's the day you die and go to heaven, and you oh, go God, to heaven I'm, every time for the every first day. time. What's Beautiful. better as a Christian in America <laughs> than b- uh, being horrifically murdered and immediately being, you know, sort of taken away from all of the terrible stuff of America—the liberals and the chicken fingers and the, the gay elevators, agenda. the gay agenda—and you could finally have. Uh, a perfect existence with God, which anytime I asked anybody about what that ended up being, it was like, hey, a lot of singing. I'm going to be singing a lot. A lot of singing. Yeah. Uh, so from uh, 8 to about 5 p.m., that's singing time. <laughs> <laughs> and we do want to give shouts out to people with Instagram captions talking about how horrible this world is and how the one thing they do take comfort in is that this is not our home. And it's not our home. There will be another ultimate home. We so, do have an escape hatch. We do. Yes. <laughs> we will be taking as soon you as possible. We have an escape hatch, and there is an elect. There is a group of people who are better than everybody else, mm-hmm. and they will be fine. <laughs> and uh, it's a narrow path. And, now, see, um, I believe in a slightly different version of that theology where you're talking about the elect, like vessels of wrath, vessels of mercy. I believe in the electoral college when it comes to the afterlife. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Where there's like oh, a yeah. very complicated Cancel voting him. system of souls. It is gerrymandered. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it is, it is. No. still super racist. Oh, gosh. I believe oh, yeah. it exists. It's I don't believe votes. in it as in, like, I like it. I'm just saying I think that's what it is. White right. heaven is um, <laughs> is kind of boring and, and kind of weird. but um, Welcome to historic- good Christian fun. <laughs> White heaven. White heaven. Well, I was going to ask you, you said that it was you even felt like an outsider when you went to Baptist school. What was, oh, yeah. like, the culture clash that you had between your understanding of faith, maybe, and then, like, the Baptist understanding? Hmm. I mean, the the faith thing was interesting because everyone around me was Calvinist, and the Nazarenes are Arminian in their doctrinal approach. Mm, okay. So um, the the Nazarenes would be much more like Methodists or Free Will Baptists, where um, uh, uh, going to heaven is a race. You do have to work hard. Um, <laughs> God will forget about you unless you really pull it out for Him. Wow. And uh, the Baptists uh, were more of the God is sovereign and humans are pieces of shit and um, you need to be redeemed because of how awful you are. And, uh, and you're lucky if you don't go to hell. You're lucky if you don't go to hell. Yeah. So I just remember it was sort of, it was a different balance of what's cool about Christianity. I remember mm-hmm. that being kind of what was weird was being in those doctrine classes because, you know, it's a Christian school, so they have to have a, 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 a moment Bible of the class. day where they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, um, where they're like teaching about world religions and they're like, none of this shit's real. Oh um, my gosh. Yes, I had a world religions <laughs> class and it was like, Buddhism, dumb, Hinduism, yeah. rip off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like just went through it and basically like debunked on how every religion except for Christianity, it just doesn't make any yeah. sense, you know, when you think about it. Meaningless, no meaning. <laughs> Islam, virtually identical to Judaism and Christianity, but very bad. Very violent. <laughs> yeah, Descended yeah. from all of the same texts, but evil. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Monotheistic, so slightly better, but still dumb and bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really did not like. By that time, I had been to a lot of public school. I 
I tested into this magnet school for middle school, which were the best years of my life as far as school goes. Um, and mm -hmm. I was exposed to, you know, the thing that, that um, was so much important to me, the older and older I got was being funny. And uh, when I went to magnet school, I sat at a table of, uh, you know, uh, juice, let's put it that way. And they watched uh, Conan and they watched um, uh, The Daily Show and they were into all of this comedy shit that I'd never heard of. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I fell in love with the idea of being Jewish. This is like weird to say, but as a middle schooler, I was maybe a little culturally appropriative where I had grown <laughs> weary of being Christian because not only were they Jews, they were Reformed Jews and atheists. So it was guys that were coming from this Jewish perspective that was in a family thing. And I knew what it was like to have like a religious heritage that was more familial than it was mm -hmm. practice almost, you know, I mean, that mm -hmm. it was in my family's fabric of life, except I was practicing and went to church and took it seriously. But all of my other friends knew everything about Judaism, but were not themselves very devout religiously as, you know, practicing Jews. And I became enthralled with this idea that you could be ethnically religious without having to do the religion stuff. And I, mm. I wanted to go to temple with them. I wanted to put on a yarmulke during high oh. holidays. And oh. I, wanted, I wanted to do that kind of stuff. And I you just like thought, made best friends that you wanted to convert for, like people do when they get married kind to of, someone of Jewish faith. <laughs> kind of, I found it really alluring, and I and and uh, you know, as I got older, it became very appealing because I liked the Jewish concept of God, that it it was very reverential, but also God is a mystery. You couldn't possibly understand mm -hmm. God, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I cried at a serious man, but uh, not at uh, October Baby, oddly. And, and that's what mm, made sure. me stand out. Um, <laughs> no, I, so that was, I remember being a really interesting thing. And then also teachers would just assume I was Jewish, I think, because I hung out with the Jewish boys. So that, like literally someone lost a yarmulke in German class and my German teacher was like, Austin, is this yours? Oh my gosh. And I was like, that's a true story. I don't know why these things <laughs> happen, but they did. And I don't know. I was just kind of jealous. I wanted to be Christian, but not Christian. And that's that seemed like... I was like, oh, why can't we be Jewish? That seems like so much fun. And I can watch Conan and Saturday Night Live and all this stuff I'm not allowed to, yeah. you yeah. know, engage with. Or I was never specifically forbidden from watching those things. It was more like um, um, uh, my, my, uh, my community and my parents raised me to be my own parent. And that, in the hands of a very anxious kid, can be dangerous because I, I made it really important to not sin. And it drove me just yeah, drove, that, drove like, me completely self censoring nuts. you do as a kid is almost worse. <laughs> Literally self censoring. Literally, yeah. uh, when I got into Stephen King books, I would mark out the curses. <gasps> Literally, I would, I would, <laughs> I would mark out sex stuff. I was so afraid of becoming impure, and yeah. that that went from spiritual to like physiological, where I was a hypochondriac about any illness or sickness, and I was terribly afraid of death and. And mm. and dogs and I was just a fearful fucking kid and yeah. and um, religion didn't really help like at all it it only kind of made it me wasn't more a comfort nuts yeah wasn't a comfort and and that made me feel crazy because I would see the adults around me saying this is a comfort this is good I feel so blessed right now that 
we can come to come to church on 9/11 and sing and 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 get through this together. And I'm like, I'm not comforted. This is a terrifying environment. It took me so long. <laughs> took me so long to admit that. I thought I thought I would hurt a lot of people by by leaving. And and yeah. you know what? I am. I've never been on better terms with my family since I left the Church of the Nazarene. Let's put it wow. that way. Wow. Yeah. How did they take it? We've never really talked about it, and oh, okay. I think that that's okay. Fine. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? It. I I did say, I did have a day one day where I was like, quit inviting me to stuff. I'm, I don't want to come. I don't like being in church. At the <laughs> like, church. Like the church events? Yeah. <laughs> the church things and 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 going i think it was being at christian college that's when i stopped going to church because it was just like i go to church every second of the day Mm -hmm. and you know what it is it's the same thing every time the guy comes up and he's like you know what my my son was running around the courtyard he said the cutest thing to me he said daddy (laughs) why is the sky blue and the grass green and that got me thinking about job let's open up our bibles last week we were in job i'm sweating and we were talking we were talking this is and and how many of us feel like job job is this man who's caught between the light and the dark. He's caught between God and he's caught between the devil. He's caught between heaven and hell. Does anybody else feel like they're living in two worlds at the same time like those upside down kids in the Stranger Things? Oh my God. <laughs> those kids Yeah, are and he's like, down. I lost my car at the grocery store. That's like how Job lost his whole family. <laughs> no, but the stretch, the stretch of the anecdote about the children was my favorite oh, part. How lo- oh, how yeah. far you how have low to go, you'll go to bridge the gap. Yes, how low can you go? With that stuff. And some people are more skilled at it than others. I've seen it mostly take attack of like, don't worry, I'm a nice guy, right? Like, I like my right. dumb little daughter or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we're, we're on good terms. Except when I've, it got to the teen years and they always just like basically loathe their children. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, when yeah. you see a Louis C.K. slant happen in the Yeah, in exactly. The yeah, my uh, daughter is uh, a struggle and... Oh, uh, no. But, uh, but God, God uh, gets me through it <laughs> and... <laughs> So let's open up to Second Thessalonians, no. uh, where we're reading it. Ugh. And the problem is, those kind of preachers will close the door behind them and pray for people without their consent. <laughs> That's very sad and very unfortunate. Oh, we don't talk about it enough. And uh, and get an assistant pastor to uh, damage their comedy oof. careers. Oof, oof, uh, oof, yeah, oof, oof. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's weird because I had this thing of these cool kids, and I wanted to be like them, and I wanted to be anything but what I was and that in middle school took the form of I want to be an upper middle class liberal like I had this thing that was like (laughs) I could be Christian and I could be an upper middle class liberal I could read the good books which no one around me read good books I could listen to the cool music no one around me listened to cool music I could watch the cool shows no one around me listened to the cool shows and and I and I loved this this magnet school world of all of these kids who were like the children of Vanderbilt professors and musicians and and it, they just all seemed cool and smart. And those are the things that every Nazarene person kept telling me I was. And yet I had like no friends to relate to. I, <laughs> I, I, I had my good friends, but I just, I was like, my community has nothing fucking for me. Sure. I, I have no place in this community. I, I don't like sports. I can't <laughs> commentate like my dad does for all of the college basketball games. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like service. I don't feel a call to ministry. I don't feel a call to missions. So what? Mm-hmm. how good am I going to be 
landing in Papua New Guinea for two weeks and and not helping. <laughs> you know what? Like, how how am yeah. I going to fit into this community? And, and I, you had I like felt- really specific targets, which I think is so funny. Like the the kind of things that you like most gravitated towards. That I'm sure you found like in your adult life, or maybe even before that, in in like different friend groups and contexts. But to have to like call your shot of like upper middle class liberal is so I funny. Jealous. I want to be the family from Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did. I, want to be I was my so people. <laughs> I you had... actually want to be all the people in blue like jazz as well, which we'll also <laughs> talk about. Um, my first tattoo was a protest against my raising. I got Barack Obama tattooed on my leg. No, is it still there? Um, no, it's not. It's uh, it has been covered up with a big ass, kick ass Grim Reaper. Oh, nice. oh, who so is Joe Biden? Who is running for? Okay, oh. he's running for re-election in twenty twenty four. Barack Obama on the leg. These legs powered by Barack. (laughs) We're going to continue. What, Barack? Oh, Joe Biden's here. Joe Biden's Zoom bombing the call. We're going to continue what he he started (laughs) together. I'm I'm trying to do Joe Biden. As you guys know, I I popped on the internet with Donald Trump, and um, that that was an interesting experience in 2016 and 2017. that was disorienting, made me feel more apart from the Christian community I came from uh, than anything. Um, the Trump impression so. specifically? <laughs> no, just Donald Trump's ascendance oh, to I see. Oh, being, sure, sure. Yes. being yeah. uh, king of Christianity. Um, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I, I always had trouble with the way that conservative politics and Christian um, chain of command um, have become more and more, like less parallel and more just intersectional. And um, that was that was a tough thing to go through, especially as a Christian actor, mm-hmm. because I the older I got the issues because, you know, how all Christian media is issues based. Right. They always if they're going to make a video, it has a lesson and they're simple moral things, fable things when it's for kids like don't lie to mom, uh, share stuff like that. Don't very, lie very, to share. Don't lie to. Sonny. Don't lie to share. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't lie to Chaz. No. Um, and um and the older I got, the more political it would get because they're speaking to an older audience, and they're like, "You're about to enter the world, so now you need to know, uh, this stuff." Like, um, mm-hmm. one of the last things I ever did, I did this like One Tree Hill style, um, uh, teen drama, for these video packages you know how lifeway works right how they sell to churches no break break it down for us i mean we know that lifeway is a or was a a bastion of truth is a bastion of truth okay oh it's family (laughs) christian stores that shut down lifeway still exists i think they shut a lot of their bookstores i don't know if family christian bookstores and lifeway christian resources are different Uh things maybe it's the same company that had different names for different chains but um uh, they're not immune to the brick and mortar collapse, mm-hmm. uh, uh, not by any means. But Lifeway mostly, most of their business is done selling directly to churches. I think through like a catalog system where they sell like a five to nine hundred dollar package of DVDs to a church, and it's like show this shit before different stuff. Here's shit that you could show before ages Got three it. to five who are getting together, and here's what you can show at a church camp thing that's only about chastity and here's what you can show to the singles who are 39 and and um it's i i acted 
in a lot of this stuff. I was a Christian yes. guy who wanted to act. I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, where Lifeway's headquartered, where the Southern Baptist Convention is headquartered. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just started acting in anything that they would hire me for. Um, what was that like on the background? Like, what were the like production teams really going for? Did they care a lot about your personal faith? <laughs> Did you get to write any of it too? <laughs> it it was never asked and it was always assumed. And mm. when they would ask who I was, like what I believed, I would just be like Nazarene and they'd be like, okay, good enough, fine. <laughs> and I think a lot of these things hired people who weren't even Christian. I remember talking mm. to like guys on set. I would be, it was, it's it's film production and children shouldn't be doing it. Probably. And like not even for Christian things, not even for regular things. And it's the same sort of patterns that emerge, uh, weird labor practices that emerge in. And, you know, like I we my wife and I watched that Soleil Moon Fry documentary and we're like, I went through a lot of similar stuff mm -hmm. to this. Not oh, not no. as much open drug use, but the same psychological kind of like weirdness and i was a boy thank god i wasn't a woman who, who uh, women deal with way crazier stuff uh, and if you don't wake up things. every day and say thank god i'm not a woman then <laughs> i do you're not living through ra life right <laughs> i do i i will i say that you actually don't I, care about the issues unless you say that every morning to yourself <laughs> it's my morning mantra i do tag on like but i still think women are smarter than men and they're superior uh but thank god i'm not them you know, in, in Timothy, he says, wives submit to your husbands. But that doesn't mean that the women do, are, are slaves to the man. I mean, let's look at what he says right afterward. It's absolutely husbands, not like that. It's not like that. Let's look at the next verse. Husbands, submit to your wives. Husbands, you got to submit to what she wants. You're one flesh. <laughs> My favorite justification <laughs> See, of that fair. in the modern world is like, God did that because he knows that women are better. So he wants to humble both the men oh my and God. the woman. Oh, man. Yeah, I've heard that like, oh, well, men wouldn't step up to the plate and do leadership. Like women would just do everything. And that's <laughs> why God called men specifically to do I that. love that like JVN, Hillary, Yas Queen sort of soft liberalism has entered yeah. Christianity. It's wonderful. <laughs> yes. As I call it cold brew Christianity, that like cool Christianity that oh, the emergent no. church yeah. offers the floppy hat, the denim suit. I I wanted to be a part of that at one point because I thought that maybe that was the version of the sort of yeah. upper middle class liberal life that I want um, where I read the cool things and I do the cool things. You know, I was looking for the Christian version of that a lot and um, it never really materialized. I think Nashville has that on lock now. Nashville is really hipsterfied and super Christian and as as sort of the Trumpism and conservatism really takes shape in Nashville, like Tommy Laren, Mike Huckabee, Ben Shapiro are all now headquartered in Nashville. They all live there oh, now. It's like a Mount they, Rushmore of winners. Of shit. <laughs> oh. well, I thought I Shapiro wiener. went to Texas. <laughs> wieners. Who? Huh? I thought Shapiro went to Texas. I might have that wrong. No, he went to Nashville, Tennessee. He just took a shot of himself in a 10-gallon hat on Broadway. <laughs> I saw that shot, oh. yep. Oh, what and, a big boy. Um, I thought to myself, well, there's two things that native Nashvilleians don't do, wear 10-gallon hats or go to Broadway. So uh, <laughs> you finally have become a Nashvillean. That's so Got great him. for you. Oh Enjoy the Brentwood Chick-fil-A. Um. You know, I don't think about the term hipster at all anymore unless it's in context to that particular flavor and genre and period of Christianity. 
And there were like oh, yeah. literal books written about it, Hipster Christianity by Brett McCracken, who's like a conservative yeah. guy I don't agree with. But like, but I think about like how it did calcify, and Caroline and I did go to a church that that um, enumerated a lot of that stuff in the we, in the early yeah. 2010s here in Los Angeles. And thought they were self-aware about it, but not really. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's, it's weird. It's I, I have tried to go to the correct ideal version of church um before and i think i'm just out on church i think i've i think i've just literally heard too much preaching and <laughs> and i just i i fill in i fill in the next five sentences for myself and i'm yeah. just like i'm never surprised because a pastor has to connect with um this is sort of the opposite of the ucb school of uh improv but a pastor has to speak to the dumbest person in the room and <laughs> make sure that they walk away understanding. So in yeah. comedy, we play to the smartest person in the room. In church, we play to the dumbest person in the room. They can't leave without, you know, f- feeling like they needed to go to the pew. And I think, and also just coming from so many preachers and and Christian, like, Civil War professors and stuff. Uh, I, <laughs> Excuse I, me? I, <laughs> What's this now? <laughs> not the Christian Civil War, okay, but Christian yeah, guys we're in the middle of it right now. History. I don't know if you know this, but Caroline and I are, are soldiers on the yeah, front line. Yeah, gear up. <laughs> yeah. Saddle oh, up, man. soldier. Yeah, yeah, so I'm in the Lord's Army. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just was raised so much around extemporaneous speakers, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. who get up in front of a giant kind of crowd and lead and talk at every event. And I, it's so hard. I, I'm maybe that's where the impressions come from. How I can like repeat stuff and and wh- why I can ramble as Donald Trump for forty five minutes straight mm-hmm. if I need to. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like all I, logged in there. It probably feels similar to like seeing a lot of stand up as well. Is like mm-hmm. there's just certain like structures that everybody kind of follows, you know. And mm-hmm. there's like there's hack versions, there's good versions, you know, stuff like that. There's good Easter's. hack, there's bad hack, and <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. There, there's bad good and good bad, and mm-hmm. and yeah, I I I just sort of transferred a lot of my frustration to stand up, where now I I have. I'm jaded about stand-up in the way that you're talking about because I've learned <laughs> all of its patterns, um, which is fine. It's uh, it, it's good, but it's it's nice to be an artist, and um, I don't really know how Christians become artists and then stay Christian or stay artists. That's that's a thing that I'm really interested in, and um, but also uh, I just have low-key just trauma about all Christian stuff, and I just avoid a lot of these discussions and and yeah. i don't until connect tonight, with the baby until yeah tonight. until tonight i i love talking about it i do have good friends who come from that world and mm-hmm. and we talk it out i'm writing a show about my background with sarah schaefer right now and oh, um, yeah. that's that's been a lot of fun oh and- sarah i think is so funny on twitter we're mutual oh, she's awesome yeah I've been mean to to slide in and ask her to do the show for forever. Do, she'll she'll do the show. She's great, she's and so cool. um, she um, she she's like she's down with I think the Jars of Clay uh, members, and uh, oh wow, um, and uh, they they said that they went they all went to the the lesbian karaoke bar that me and all my friends hang out with. Um, it's weird at Trevecca, I was like, everyone in my friend group at Trevecca either became like gay or a stoner or both everyone everyone is a gay stoner that i went to treveca with that, that i was hey, buddies a good with. crew to be with honestly and <laughs> Can't go wrong. it is it has a strong music school and um <laughs> my dad my dad will find out someone was gay and he can't believe it and i'm like dad the treveca has a music school who do you who do you think goes to 
music college. <laughs> cool gay people smoking weed go to music college, Dad. That's that's all. Wow, this isn't do. a stereotype I'm familiar with, but I know. Yeah, <laughs> we all know that. Oh yeah, I am. I am being very glib and stereotypical, but I'm just saying that that's like that's yeah. just what happened to all of just my, the people you knew. My friends is just everyone comes out and hey, do you want to come over and smoke weed? And I'm like, yeah, let's let's play Borderlands. You said um, you had tried to go to like some some of the correct quote unquote churches in the I've last done that years. out here a little bit. Mm. Uh, I went, I, so, so after this life of being in either like public school or going to, going to private schools or, you know, whatever it was, I ended up at, um, uh, I, I wanted to be in a major city and at Trevecca, I was a, a film major and, I eventually got the chance to submit to go to a Los Angeles Christian Film School one semester program. Um, Kevin, isn't that what you did too? No, not Christian. Oh, okay. It was through University well, of Texas. Excuse me. <laughs> you Have kind you... of made it Christian just by uh, it, proximity. I'm, I was there. Yeah, and it kind of <laughs> yeah. Like when you put I, a tea like bag a in a hot water. The yeah. School. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Have y'all not had any uh, LAFSC alumni on the show? I before? don't think so. No, no. Los Angeles Film Studies Center was founded, I think, by the committee that was the that was the genesis of McGee and Me. Oh my god! Oh my like there was a wow. committee because you so know how in the McGee 90s, was chairman. He was chairman. Yeah, of it, was, the committee. it was chairman. Like, yeah, well, let's start a film school. <laughs> I went and saw the original Rube Goldberg machine, and it's still there, and it's still. Oh my works. god! No, I'm just wow. kidding. Um, That's why McGee is so good. The the semester program that I went to was this. It was like the other thing besides McGee and me that this committee of like concerned parents created back <laughs> okay. in the like the right. Tipper the Tipper Gore James Dobson years. Yes. Um, where parents were like, we have to protect our children from ACDC right. and r- the band Rat and and <laughs> right. uh, Robocop. coming through Dungeons and Dragons. In Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, so, yeah, I, I went to that school and that was my excuse to kind of get out of Nashville and see something else. And I came to Los Angeles and Los Angeles just struck me as extremely <laughs> similar to Nashville. <laughs> another, <laughs> another like... Uh, 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 showbiz town full mm-hmm. of like people constantly getting off buses and saying I'm gonna be a star, uh-huh. and um, it's more conservative than you think. I took like a duck to water to Los Angeles. I feel like because it was so similar to what Nashville is like a bunch of venues and people being like, "Can you come to my DJ night?" Mm-hmm. and uh, and stuff like that. It, except just replace the country and Christian music scene with uh. You know the the video production scene, the the movies and TV sure. and stuff. Yeah. Sure, and you're equally as likely to see Reese Witherspoon in both towns. Oh, Draper James! Hey, come Man. on, whiskey at a teacup, I love, y'all. I love Reese. Can I say it? I love Reese. Yeah, you I call mean, me who Reese. would object? Who would object? Until further notice. Yeah, why yeah. not? The guy who made um uh uh speaking of Reese Witherspoons, the guy who made Brie Larson's uh, Short Term Twelve um mm-hmm. uh went to, was a Los Angeles Film Studies Center uh, graduate. Oh. Um, people so, who speak at LAFSC include Doug Jones. Uh, you know Doug Jones. Doug um, Jones, of course, is uh, fish guy Gar- from Hellboy and and Shape of Water. And Shape and of Water fish. He's who- he's oh, Pan yeah. from Pan's Labyrinth. Uh-huh. He's he's uh, in every single horror film. He's the the, the silent boy. guys in Buffy. Um, That's right. So oh my god. He speaks. You know Tony Hale comes by and speaks. Uh, you Tony got Tony Hale, famous Hollywood Christian. Famous Hollywood Christian. I don't know if Zach Levi's ever come through, uh, but uh, he might be more in like the conservative 
Joel McHale. No, I, I haven't seen Joel McHale. Is Joel McHale a uh, Christian, Hollywood Christian? He is. Yeah, he's low-key, though, I think, for he's the most part. Yeah. Really? Okay, wow. Yeah, he's not um, noxy about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I just, I don't know. As soon as I got here, I really invested in the stand-up scene. I, I didn't get along with all of my professors. And I had also just come off of October Baby, and mm-hmm. I um, was just, I have quit acting so many times. <laughs> because of this struggle between wanting to be an actor, having Christian gigs to do, and feeling like I wasn't doing the work I was meant for. It's like, I never thought that God's media was God's plan for my life. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and, and I had this conviction, this like weirdly Christian conviction that I needed to be doing other kinds of shit. And, right. And um, when you I got to- You didn't want to be the next John Chris at all? That wasn't in your heart? <laughs> No, I didn't want to be canceled for being a freaking <laughs> oh, creep. creep. Yeah, yeah I yeah, I did not want to be John Chris, and I didn't want to be. Uh, um, hold on, I'm trying to think. I can't think of any the like, other guy Christian actors. Tim, Tim yeah. Hawkins. It I seems guess like, especially kind of the male Christian actor, uh, you know, pathway. You do either decide like I'm a Christian actor, or I'm an actor that happens to be a Christian, you know, and yeah. I want to like penetrate. Hollywood in general yeah. and spread my light that that way or it's so important that the media I'm involved in is like honoring to God that I will only do you know Kirk Cameron style stuff you know but that's really the only stuff they can get hired for too is like the Kirk Cameron's or the freaking Hercules guy conservative guy who's Sorbo. Hercules Sorbo, Kevin Sorbo. Sorbo. Yeah. I mean, the one where they're conversing in both genres, it's mostly like a Disney Channel pipeline, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in this this movie, Blue Like Jazz, it stars a guy who was like on True Blood. And and what was his other movie or his other show he was on? It was True Blood and something else. I remember that that Blue Like Jazz, I remember that. Okay, so that was directed by... Um, the the Christian Elvis Costello. Uh, <laughs> shit, I'm blanking on his name. Larry... I've never heard it. Steve Taylor is his name. Steve yeah. Taylor. Steve Taylor um, was on MTV, was mm-hmm. a Christian artist, and was like goofy and irreverent and cerebral, right? Which was yeah. not like, none of those words would apply to almost any Christian art mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> So I remember him being like kind of like a cool, hip, daddy, uh, Nashville zaddy. Um, you know, mm. he, he was like a cool guy. He was friends with my like, uh, I at one point I did have my my uh, liberal uh, Christian manic, pix- manic pixie dream girl <laughs> girlfriend at one point who went to like a cool church and knew him and and she was an artist and stuff. And, and I saw some of the world of that, you know, like to me, the correct kind of doing that, that world and. Before so we I, get to the movie and all that stuff, I do yeah, want to sure. know just where you are with everything now. Church is out. You've seen too much church. church. Is You've out. heard it too many times. Church is out. Um, my wife is traumatized from everyone telling her to, you know, uh, be modest and guard her virginity and everything a million uh, yeah. times her entire life. And mm-hmm. we're just like, just the thought of being a part of a Christian practice just makes us nauseous. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, but it's still my operating system. It's still the way I'm programmed. So I'm weirdly uh, approved at different times. I've, <laughs> I've pushed it too hard at different times where I tried to avoid it and that felt disingenuous and, and odd. So, so 
after having gone through a few years of therapy and uh, come to terms with all this stuff, I am now like, instead of being bitter that that's like what my parents do for both fun and for serious, um, that that's what my family is still committed to, my grandparents, my brothers, literally everyone in my family life. Um, I have to be cool with it and I accept it and I know that it's that they derive a lot of joy from it. Now I find myself instead of trying to appease the the atheists with my coolness and trying to be like agnostic thinker friends and trying to be that that cool upper middle class liberal that I always wanted to be. Now I find myself in the defense position when people are shitting on like if you're hanging out with like a cool punk who who is atheist and they're shitting on like uh um religion of any kind mm -hmm. be it like judaism islam christianity or any of the other uh, any of the unimportant ones that are below the judaism uh, derived uh religions right um, tier two is what we the call tier that. two yeah the tier mm -hmm. two <laughs> <TB>. uh, <laughs> uh i find myself defending a lifestyle of faith because right. if i'm not chill with it and i don't try to see it from the other person's perspective um, I, I just feel like that's wrong. I don't know how to get rid of it. And I think that there is some elements of the Jesus specific approach, uh, to society that I can't let go of. And that includes like, think about what they're going through, walk a mile in their shoes. Uh, if, you know, if your enemy wants you to walk, however many miles you walk more sure. with them, turn the other cheek, mm -hmm. nonviolence, all of this shit. Um, a lot of that shit still runs how I think, and I could fight that to the end of my life and spend a lot of time struggling and developing resentment and bitterness toward a community that gave everything to me and raised me to be the person I'm proud that I am. Mm -hmm. uh, I could be bitter that I didn't go to the cool magnet high school, which I was for many years, that I didn't get to stay with all of my cool comedy friends, and instead I was shoved back into this like fortress in the sticks full of rich hicks um where i heard every racial slur i've ever you know learned i learned them all there um i could be bitter that i didn't have that experience or i could be like i like the person that i am this has enriched my life and i have to be cool with it and i just try when i'm if i am at church uh if it's a really important church service and my dad really wants me to be there i try to be like Okay, what does Michael like about this? What is what is what is my dad getting out of this? I'm trying to like it's weirdly made me more others focused, which I think was the end game of Christianity to begin with. <laughs> and yeah. and uh cuz otherwise I would just go fucking nuts. And then if you ask me point blank, do you believe in any of this shit? No, I fucking hate <laughs> so much of it. I just don't believe in it. If I I'm terrified of bumpy planes, do I pray on bumpy planes? Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is because one, I hope that uh scary Jesus magic will save me in the event of my life being in danger. And two, I have scientific evidence that praying and meditation are healthy practices. So mm -hmm. it's like, I've just, my, my thing of knowing too much and learning too much and absorbing too much has actually bent away from Christianity and now it's meant back toward it where I'm like, I'm cool with all that. Yeah, you That's like so that. Funny. That's cool. I mean, I, what what I appreciate yeah. about that perspective too is that I think it's so easy to default into a position of bitterness or anger with whatever, whether it's religion or whatever the negative experience you have. But it is, it sounds like something that you have over time genuinely assessed in your own life 
when is this anger or resentment helpful and beneficial and yeah. when is it not? And it's just like in a practical, pragmatic, almost selfish sense, it's just yeah. not helpful for you anymore to no, hold on not. to some of that stuff. No, I, I really worked to let go of a lot of it because I spent 2016 and 2017 like screaming at my brother who was the more outwardly Trump is cool person in my family. And I would just like scream at him. And in the process of screaming at him, I realized that I didn't understand anything about what I believed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I left the church and then didn't give myself any kind of landing pad. I, I didn't understand any ideology that I was accepting. So... So I was just an idiot when I would have these conversations where someone would be like, well, why not Trump? And then I'd be like, ah, kids in cages, you know, something that. Just like living in opposition to an idea. Yeah. Stuff, (laughs) stuff that, Mm -hmm. stuff that I was mad at stuff that Trump was doing that, you know, the Obama on my leg had done too. And, and I, I didn't actually. Obama on my leg. (laughs) Man, your heart. What a reminder. Every time you wear shorts, you're like, well, he did use drones. Oh, my good. Um, oh, well, here's a fun fact. Did you know that, uh, that, uh, Trump, yes, did continue Barack Obama's, uh, war on terror policies. And, uh, I was, I, I looked up on PolitiFact, did Trump, uh, defeat ISIS? Cause I had heard that was a talking point that a lot of these conservative guys use. Mm. And I looked it up and it was like, did Trump defeat ISIS? Yes. Uh, Trump continued the Obama style of doing the war on terror and, uh, was able to take down numerous targets, uh, Collateral damage. Trump increased civilian deaths by 330 <gasps> percent by uh, by removing safeguards that were part of the Obama war Jesus on terror practice. Christ. So he did um, he did kind of do a better job as far as killing the bad guys. He also did a much better job at killing innocents. And that's what we that's the axe that we hold over Obama's head that he like, you know, blew up weddings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Trump did that 330 percent more uh, uh, deaths under yeah. Trump's watch of, yeah. of innocence. So that's, yeah. that's, that's a, a new thing I learned. Comparison. You know <laughs> what? And they actually, uh, him and Bruce did talk about it on their last episode of the podcast. Like <laughs> they spent a long time going, working through that out, I'm sure. Now, yeah. Brock, I did look up on oh PolitiFact. <laughs> um, that is a great Joe Biden. Your Bruce Springsteen is a wonderful Joe Biden. Thank <laughs> you. Come on. We gotta get the vaccines. <sighs> um... Uh, so, so yeah, I had all of these hollow conversations where I worked out all my anger and bitterness. And I just remember like I would talking to my wife afterward who comes from a similar thing. She grew up Baptist and, and, uh, is now exhausted. We, we both, I grew up Nazarene and now I'm currently <laughs> practicing exhaustion <laughs> Tired. and, um, my wife grew up Baptist and is exhausted. And so we just sort of like have these like conversations where we're just like, do you remember, you remember uh, Rebecca St. James? Man, mm-hmm. that was some good stuff. Um, <laughs> Do I ever? Hubba, hubba. <laughs> hubba, hubba. My wife is uh, married, uh, uh, is related to Rebecca St. James by marriage. Here, oh here's some God. fun facts. By marriage, now that I am in my wife's family and my wife's cousins have all married, uh-huh. I am related to um, uh, uh, Rachel Lampa. Um, <laughs> really? Rebecca St. James. And the um, uh, the her, Rebecca St. James little brothers uh, for King and Country, who are a very hot Christian band. That's right. Wow. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and uh, I just think that that's really hilarious that I've married into this like CCM. Yet another dynasty. 
family. Right, well, James, I'll hit you up for the contact list after the recording. <laughs> yeah, you got to get some of these guys on. Tap into the network. Oh, my God. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad you've made a lot of peace with where you are. You don't yeah. seem bitter, disgusted, upset, and I don't know. Like, it's nice to... Talk to someone who has who can, who was so entrenched, but then can have a distant perspective and maybe <laughs> belong to a new denomination instead of Baptist instead of Nazarene. It is the First Church of the Exhausted, and <laughs> and there's no services because it's just too much right now. We cannot gather. Oh Thanks yeah, for the love of God. So oh yeah, it's uh it's weird having to learn the difference between conservative politics, Christian life, and like what is American, what is global, all of these mm-hmm. things. In my growing up in that Christian community, it was all the same thing, and and that drove me nuts. So if I have anything I can leave anybody with, it's like I don't know, teach kids the difference between all that shit. It's it's not all yeah. the same thing. It's sometimes they disagree with each other and you should uh, face that uh, sooner yeah. rather than later. And learn from non-American Christians and non-white Christians, you Absolutely. know, like if you want an actually like expansive view of what the religion can be. Yeah, and honestly, like the black American church even too. Because we talk about the American evangelical church, but even just the black church has a lot to teach. Everyone should read that book. I'm going to plug it again. Jesus and John Wayne by Kristen Cobas Dumez. It's it's a very excellent oh my. Uh, interrogation of that particular trajectory of how we got here, as James is talking about. Oh, yeah. And James, thanks so much for sharing. I, I feel like we could talk about this particular Seriously. part of your story for like five more hours. But uh, Oh, I could. So There's, generous and, there are too many stories i i really have too many stories to share about this shit and i could talk about it over and over and there there is a nice therapist in central la who has heard hundreds of hours <laughs> of my anecdotes and that um, therapist is tony hale tony hale it's tony hale <laughs> tony hale would be a good therapist I loved Carmen, man. It's 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 our turn now. This is like, <laughs> see, that was I I couldn't tell the difference between the political stuff and the stuff that was actually Christian. There's like a whole Carmen music video that's like about um, the Declaration of Independence and yeah. yeah, the only hope. Yeah, prayer in schools. for America's Jesus. Jesus. The oh, only God. hope. Okay, we gotta take a break. We'll be right back <laughs> with more good Christian fun. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little 
uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to dive deep into this topic. Sorry, I, I didn't mean that. It, it came out in a way that felt very seductive. I'm trying not to be seductive or horny on this podcast, so I apologize for that little slip no, Stay up. professional. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's hard to when we're talking about Blue Like Jadge, man. Blue Like Jadge, based on the best-selling memoir by Mr. Donald Miller. James, Caroline, did you read Blue Like Jadge when you were you know, coming up? As a young Christian person. 100% yes. Um, This was like sophomore, junior year of college for me. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of peak involvement with Campus Crusade. Um, This book, it was the moment in Campus Crusade, at least at my group. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, I remember reading it. I thought it was very um, revolutionary. And you then, truly thought uh, that at the time, is what you're saying. <laughs> I remember thinking, well, I, I liked it because um, every other Christian book I had read was just like, yeah, it was a sermon that had been spre- stretched, you know, into 300 pages, and it was just repetitive and like annoying and condescending. But blue like jazz, I was like, oh, this is almost like poetic, you know. So I can, I can find a little bit more value in it, you know. And I was such a big reader, like I was just reading tons of stuff. So reading a Christian book, like it just couldn't fool me, you know, into being like profound if it was trying. Um, but the big thing about this movie also was I think I was a sophomore and Campus Crusade had a big winter conference every year that was during like Christmas break. And basically all of the Campus Crusade groups from like miles around would come to San Diego to this huge hotel that's called, I think it's like the Red Lion Hotel. And anyone who's ever been there will remember it. It's like enormous. It's this giant campus, like multiple towers of rooms. And so just a lot of Christian kids like flooding San Diego (laughs) to to, uh, basically be whipped up into an emotional fervor for short-term missions. That was like the whole goal of the conference was just nonstop uh, propaganda about how going to East Asia or whatever was like the best thing to do with our lives. And they showed this film. And they showed this film as like one of the breakout things you could do during your free time. And I love movies, you know, obviously. And so I was like, yes, I will go to the film. Oh, you saw (laughs) this? 
So I saw this, it, but it was like, I think it was like an early preview, like mm-hmm. before it had even debuted. It was, we, so, we call that the Taylor cut. It was four and a half hours long. <laughs> uh, yeah. There is a release the Taylor cut campaign now happening that I think on about right it. Now. I'm pretty sure it was also like a test screening because I think we all gave like our feedback on a note afterward or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I do remember being so excited to see it, you know, like this book come to life that like had influenced all of us. But I can't even remember like what the the heft of the book was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I was really disappointed. <laughs> I think we left early, actually. I was just like, this isn't it. So let's go. Let's go, like, talk about Pokemon in our hotel room for three hours or something. Like, this is a much better spend of our time. Yeah. Hey, Pokemon never left uh, Never left our hearts, man. I mean, hey. uh, we need Pokemon in America again, Pokemon don't turned we? out to be evergreen, yeah. Pokemon yeah. come in my heart. <laughs> um, man, I will say, that summer, the summer of Pokemon Go, 2016, that that did feel like a revolution in a lot of ways. I remember that summer It really fondly. did. It, it, yeah. it, it yeah. brought us all together. That was my relationship with Blue Light Jazz. Blue Jazz. Blue Ball Jazz. Blue Ball Jazz. (laughs) Oh, what about you, James? Did you read it before even, uh, some might say star in the movie? (laughs) (laughs) My one shot of me puking is all that remains of my scenes that I filmed. But that's the heart of the film. It shows imperfection and humanity. I keep replaying it in my mind over and over. Um, I, let's see, I... I saw it. I did not read it. I tried to read it at one point. Um, I have, I have only successfully read. I want to say one Christian novel. I, uh, no, this wasn't a novel. It was a nonfiction book. I, I have been a crazy, like, voracious reader, just like you, uh, mm-hmm. Caroline. The um, my entire life, and the only books that anyone in my church community would read were these like Christian nonfiction books that were trendy. Like those were the yeah. only things that people would read. I was reading books, you know. Tolstoy. <laughs> Dostoyevsky. <laughs> Redwall. I was reading <laughs> I was reading books about mice cutting each other's heads off. Mm-hmm. And awesome. And uh awesome. Oh, so and, the Disney stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know. Disney stuff. So I was I but I read all the time uh Lord of the Rings and I, I was in a Narnia, I liked Lord of the Rings more. Mm-hmm. Um probably because uh J.R.R. Tolkien would couch his Catholicism in cool occult shit rather than C.S. Lewis where he was like, Well, obviously Aslan is Jesus, so that's easy. <laughs> and Dang. now this door is forgiveness. Like it was he had to make his allegory as as clear as day. Um but I, I loved reading, and I think the only Christian book I ever actually finished was Every Man's Battle. <gasps> James, wow. what is Every Man's Battle? All about jadging off. <laughs> it's all about jadging off. <laughs> so there's <laughs> it every all y- comes back around. <laughs> there's every young man's battle, and then there's every man's battle, which is aimed at like dads. And I think me and a buddy at Baptist High School, I think he may have bought me the book, and we both read it. Um, <laughs> Uh, not in the same room. That would have been. I too love that hot. you also read the adult version. You're like, we're not gonna. Yeah, mess we read the dad version. Stuff. Wow. Yeah. There's and also every is, young woman's battle, by the way. There is every woman's battle as well. Oh in yeah, the franchise. I, uh, it's a franchise, and mm-hmm. um, is it like how to please your man's battle best? <laughs> <laughs> you can end the battle tonight. <laughs> You're in charge of the battle, actually. And the battle how to is blow your fault. The battle out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Nine ways to drive his battle wild. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, the whole up. No, the woman's duty in Christianity is to not make your brother stumble. So I'm sure that every woman's battle is about like sleeves to the wrist and uh, uh, a high neckline uh, to yeah. keep Yeah. No, to it's keep all about from... support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just providing support to the man's journey. Until the moment when you must reverse everything you've been taught about sexuality and, and give everything tiger. to the crazy Christian sex. I, I become Stan Lee when I start talking about the <laughs> fucked up sexual values of that we were taught uh, with Christianity. That's what we call the Madonna Excelsior complex. Excelsior. <laughs> I'm nice. Stan Lee, creator of Spider-Man, blue light jazz and through painted deserts. You also um, sound like the guy who does um, Iago. Oh, what's that guy's name? Oh, oh my Gilbert God, free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of that in there. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's, my it is here. pretty similar. <laughs> uh, my God. I wanted to read Blue Like Jazz. I wanted to like it, but I, I've i never connected with those Christian nonfiction bestsellers. And I think I started to read Blue Like Jazz, and I was just like, I, this is unrelatable. Even Donald Miller's like attempt at being a cool Christian was totally unrelatable to me where I was when I tried to read that book. Sure. I, I mean, that, that's why it's really hard it's difficult to contextualize what it felt like reading it at the time. I think at the time the that time. most of the people who grew up with it read it, it did feel so singular in what it was trying to do. He said shit in the book. He yeah. talked about yeah. sex in a more frank and a slightly less shamey way, I guess from a male perspective still. but uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's that's It's all incremental. Um, yes. I, I try to like when I'm interacting with people who have no experience with Christianity out here. Um, now that I live out here and I meet people that are like that think I'm like like Louis Farrakhan or something. They're, they're, <laughs> they've never ag- encountered a person with my kind of like religious right. fervor that I come from, and they're like, "What are you doing?" And and I'm like, "No, you don't understand. Like, you know how you're extremizing where I come from and and making it into this thing that isn't." regular isn't this thing that like 45 percent of the country engages with constantly um uh that's the same thing on on the flip side uh i forgot where i was going with this now i'm just thinking about cool Laris lewis farrakhan quotes um no and that is a recurring segment we do have at the end of the episode (laughs) we we all do our favorite farrakhan and we call it mff my favorite farrakhan Uh, but um, just like start- this kind of liberal Christianity was like cutting edge at the time or felt that's like what a I'm saying of yes. a rebellion. But that- when in fact, it was just like hardly even close to like actual leftist values or something. Sure. That's what I'm yeah. saying is like when I was getting my Obama tattoo, I felt like crazy. Like this is such a this is such a protest. And and it, it, and like literally two weeks passed and I was like, OK, this is aged like milk. Um, I <laughs> this this doesn't represent like a lot of the stuff I believe. And also it's weird that that. I'm like making uh, this figure of Obama's face on white skin. Like, like what, what am I doing politically <laughs> with this wow, thing? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, it was very much like uh, uh, not best practices, I guess. Right. I and what James failed to mention is that on his right leg, he did have a uh, <laughs> tattoo that said, Cops are nice, at least in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cops keep us safe. Um, but extreme for me from the community that I came from is yeah. not another person's extreme. And and learning all of those things, just learning how far left and far right things can go, and also that people are largely normal across mm-hmm. the spectrum, um, was really interesting. At one point, I thought that Blue Light Jazz was like 
liberal, was challenging, was mm-hmm. anything. And it's it's it not really still, the word shit. That I think that's what did it for so many of us. We could you go to not his believe. website. You look at his website and he's got a cigarette and he's like, this this motherfucker smokes cigarettes, man. And he's in Portland. That is different. He's in so, Portland, man. And, and just an overview. So the two kind of major figures of Christianity, I guess. I mean, I, Miller even barely counts as this now. But Steve Taylor, the director, we talked about him, uh, yep. sort of an Elvis Costello type, a primary songwriter for the Newsboys, a certain kind. Yep. And yes, he was known as the one that was a little bit irreverent, a little weird and out there and kind of strange. A solo artist in his own right. He started a record label called Squint Records. He worked with acts like Sixpence None the Richer very closely. He had a lot of um, kind of- Lee Nash rules, by the way. Can we give it up for Lee Nash? Lee Nash rocks. Let's give it up for Lee Nash. Yes, we love Lee. Sixpence rules. I mean, Sixpence was one of those bands that's like vaguely Christian, but they kind of just did their own pop thing and good for them. They were fun. Yeah. Piss yeah. pee. That's still an anthem, right, Caroline? Piss pee. Piss pee. Into a dirty the... toilet. Piss pee. Yeah. Piss pee. It's an anthem. Oh, it's man. an anthem. Uh, yeah. So that's Steve Taylor. Donald Miller, the author of the book and then co-writer of the movie that we watched along with two other people, he started as a memoirist, like kind of vaguely left-leaning memoirist. There was this book. That was the big New York Times bestseller. There was one called uh, Through Painted Deserts. Painted Deserts. There was, I believe, Searching for God Knows What. And then mm-hmm. uh, I remember, this is the moment where I was like, oh, I don't I don't think so anymore. He, he had a sort of memoir or a book of essays called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And it was about him mm-hmm. cycling across the country. What are you laughing at, Caroline? <laughs> just his, uh, his progression as an author cracks me up. <laughs> It's so, so I'm fun. just excited Wait, for you to keep going. I can, <laughs> okay, I will say, okay, Blue Like Jazz, Searching for God Knows What, Through Painted Deserts, To Own a Dragon, Reflections on Growing Up Without a Father, A Million yeah. Miles in a Thousand Years. And then 2010, this is when we get a little shift. Father Fiction, Chapters for a Fatherless Generation, okay. 2012, Storyline, Finding Your Subplot in God's Story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it's yeah. a lot of sort of, I guess you would say, Business guru. Hustle and grind, yeah. baby. Hustle, like grind, speaking, Philippians 4.15. Building a story day. brand. Marketing yep. made simple. Business yep. made simple. Something happened where his whole thing became yep. business is about telling stories. And so my- It's like his literally only one thought. I, but also he, <laughs> uh, he also, uh, I think this is very important that he wrote a marriage book, which to me is always oh, such God. like an incredible cash grab. He got married at like, 40 something Mm -hmm. and he to his credit admits he wasn't great with relationships up to that point but man he got married and he figured it out and so he wrote a book (laughs) don't you love that don't you love when you're watching a a youtube instructional video and it's like one of those or like a keto tiktok and you watch it and it's immediately followed up with comments and and stuff of everyone clowning on like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about that's like a whole thing like youtube and tiktok people with no personalities are like okay well I need to become an authority because I need people to watch my videos and and instructional videos are what people are watching. I'm going to teach people how to do some shit I barely understand. Right. 
And, right, like uh, I read the Wikipedia yesterday and I'll just like read it beat by beat. That said, my baking there. TikToks are different. That is actual expertise. <laughs> uh, no, I, this is a man who studied for how many years, Kevin? Uh, like three months yeah, uh, on no, an online so he course. Knows, and he's also a small businessman. He's an entrepreneur. Yeah. He's kind of the backbone of America. It's a little <laughs> bit different. So I, the thing about Donald Miller He's doing how, this thing now. What's that? He's doing this thing now. He 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 rebranded and and he's doing this marketing based thing that's around mm-hmm. narratives and um this is like it's like a weird amalgamation of like journalist speak with um it just strikes me as a very twitterfied Donald Miller, right? But I I th- Here's the thing, at least in my research of some of this stuff and just checking out the most base of whatever like i understand this isn't for me i'm not even necessarily criticizing any of this stuff that i'm absolutely i have no business engaging with anyway like whatever he's doing it's just the shift is so fun it would be like if Anne lamott put out (laughs) bird by bird and all her amazing you know essay books and then did like girl wash your butt like yeah like like how to do a side hustle yeah you know or like so yeah it's so to me and again i'm just gonna go really out there he may be lovely i am just gonna fully just go judgment mode on him to me he is a con man (laughs) like he has figured out like i think his first few books were probably real and things that he wanted to say and then it has slowly turned into the cash grab situation which everyone needs to make their money you know when you uh, write oh, these boys both of you like whoa, whoa, whoa. no i was oh, i was i was about to i was about to yes and a little bit okay on, yeah on, as far but as just goes. just fully like he i don't think he has had another thought in a long time and he has just continued to pivot and over and over into whatever money he I'd can agree. make off of i don't know he's books. when you when you write a hit you get a contract right i think he's just like i think he's just writing out his contract right his whatever his five book deal with with whatever <laughs> now you know yeah, vaguely christian publisher. <laughs> what he should have done is red like jazz green Ooh, like jazz oh god like jazz okay but here's i i just checked out the simplest little whatever youtube video and looking up stuff about him i just want to see if you guys with you know varying degrees of interest and maybe the thing that he's about to talk about can uh maybe raise a red flag on any of this stuff here we go don we're going to take him through this idea of a one-liner right what do you mean by that and how can we all create a one-liner Well, a one-liner is one sentence that explains what you do or what you offer in such a way that you you, you capture the most people's attention. And so it comes from the movie industry. A one-liner is what describes a film. So when you say, Jason Bourne has forgotten who he really is, but he's, you know, it makes me go, ooh, I'd like to see that, right? I'd like to see that movie. Uh, Because all the suspense is in that one line. Now, a one-liner, every screenwriter knows if you create a good one-liner for your screenplay, it's worth $50,000 to half a million dollars if you can sell that screenplay. Okay, so let's just stop right there. James, Caroline, do you have any red flags to raise with how he's defining the term one-liner? This, By the way, this is not, we, we all live in LA, but I do not think this is an LA specific Diet. No, it's not. He means a log line he or an elevator pitch. He means a log line or a tagline. Or a tagline. Yes. A one-liner one is Mitch Hedberg saying- uh, It's Mitch I Hedberg, used, yes! I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to too. That's a one-liner. 
And yes. That's so funny. It's that guy and I is saying, I, I used to be dyslexic as a kid. I wrote about it in my dairy. That's a one-liner. <laughs> it's like, you know, vaudeville freaking oh borscht belt comedy is one liner. Or like, you know, like zingers in a comedy. It's not a, a well. <laughs> So you know, Donald the, Miller actually has turned around and become my hero because if a con's so brilliant that he can say one liner and use the wrong term for for hours, it's incredible. So this here's is, a term from the movie industry: you need to be <laughs> you charisma. need to have a good poster. Now, movie posters are people who get on message boards and talk about how good a movie is. <laughs> That's what a great movie poster does. What are we talking about? It's a guy oh that God. like biked up to Portland and then biked up his I don't know know what happened but just on that yeah. basic fundamental it's interesting per- he, he's he's gone from oregon to back down to the bay area he's 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 become like a vc <laughs> kind of speaker guy mm-hmm. and uh and it's obvious that he's speaking to the vc point of view because he's not a creative ultimately that's probably why his his book career kind of flamed out is that he's not a creative i mean his fucking thing is called story brand Mm-hmm. Like, Story come up with brand. a name for it. <laughs> Story call it brand. Call it, call it son of a dragon or like take take some shit from your books. Call it like, you know, like uh, Blue Likes Incorporated or something. Like, why, yeah. why aren't you even using the weird terms that you... I only think that we picked up Blue Like Jazz because of that fucking cover. You got the cool bridge and then you got the yellow and it's the blue. purple and the white. It popped. It popped. It popped. And it's also beguiling. Blue like jazz. What the hell is this book going to be about? It's called Blue Check Jazz. (laughs) Shut up. Blue Check Jazz. I will. I'll tag you guys when I get my blue check, and and you can have me on for blue check jazz. <laughs> blue, blue check, check jazz. jazz. Oh man, that's the episode of the podcast where we only have on verify. <laughs> we all have takes. Blue oh, check jazz. Okay, check. here's the other thing. While we're Getting in this mode, that's like maybe not the high road. I watched a, a good amount of interviews to do with the movie with the director. Uh, the kid playing Don Miller, who they changed from like, I think in the book, he's a, th- a fully a 30 year old auditing these classes at this liberal college. In the movie, he's 19. Oh. Uh, so it's like, but that would be a, can you imagine like also a 35 year old playing the main kid and then everything <sighs> that happens to him happens to him? He would have but, played it himself. He, he he appeared in the movie himself and it was disorienting did. to see him here he in did. his late 40s because of where his hairline has gone. I saw him during his cameo part. I saw him on on uh, on campus at the college they were shooting this oh, yeah. in, in downtown Nashville. And he, you know, he had the gel in his hair. He was very much oh, looking gosh. like one of those late 30s, you know, boys. And here he is with the suit and the no tie doing the whole, like, what if a computer wasn't a computer? It, it's like he's in, <laughs> he's in full TED Talk ass right now, you know? Yes, he's a total sellout. The and that's, sellout. that also, like, cracks me up in in light of this movie, too, and just, like, the kinds of people he meets and the world he's a part of and, like, how clearly none of it made, like, a real impression on him besides, like, wow, some of these people have real kooky identities, <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of, like, actually engaging with any of yes, the ideas no, or, like, anything. You, like, he didn't oh. learn anything from that environment. Sure. Oh, he him. didn't. He didn't read any feminist plays or anything <laughs> no, like that. Yeah, he, yeah. He's like, I met a lesbian though, and so I'm pretty different now. <laughs> <laughs> in the interview, in the little press tour that him and Steve Taylor did to plug this movie, it's in 2012 when you know the this book that the movie is based on is 
10 years in the rear view for yeah, him. Yeah, it's kind of done. As, as is his like other memoirs probably. And he's pivoting to like... Marriage and boys without daddies. Yeah, like dumb t- <laughs> Tony Robbins mixed with Tim Ferriss or whatever. I mean, it's so mean. But oh, he yeah. Is, he is the a... Four, merc- the four-hour uh, go to heaven. <laughs> sure. But he is a mercurial sort of bitter kind of like not nice presence. He says constantly... Two things in the interviews. One is, you know, we had to change stuff for the movie. Uh, Augustine Burroughs, they did that movie Running With Scissors. That was based on a book, and they didn't change anything, and that movie sucked, which is just a I've never seen anyone do this on a press tour for any project where it's like, here's an example of a shitty movie. Our movie is good. It was yeah. just so strange. And, you know, I haven't seen Whoa. that movie. It, I, I don't know if it's good or not. Maybe yeah. not. But it was just a wild way for him to speak. And then the other thing, too, I, I watched this this one interview he did with a young woman. You can find it on YouTube. The the woman interviewing him is very smart and talented, but they get into this weird didactic back and forth about story and narrative and message. And he is on mm. the defense about like, why does there have to be a message? And here's the example he used to go back to the clip that we just played. Wow. He says, if you were talking to the guy who wrote the uh, the Born Identity, you wouldn't ask him what the message was. So I think he's only seen one movie and it is I think the Born so. Identity. <laughs> it is Born Identity. <laughs> to him, that story. Donald Miller is the Jeremy Renner of Christian authors. Yes, he is in the Avengers cast of cool, like cool Christian Nasty, authors. Nasty, not yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, he's a hundred percent. Wow. So I just yeah, <laughs> strange, strange vibes from everything I ingested, at least in the in the research for this. How how would you describe the story of this movie? It's a kid goes from a conservative Christian Texas environment yeah. to a kooky liberal school in Portland, yeah. Oregon. Like a coming of age story. I a liberal, guess a liberal arts college, but like the most liberal college, which I guess me, I guess technically means anti-Christian, like a guy dresses as the right. Pope and that's anti-Christian or something. He dresses as the Pope. There's, there's gay, uh, there's out gay women. There was a mm-hmm. gender neutral donut society, uh, at one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's a very Gilmore girls version of, of liberalism. <laughs> it's very stars hollow. This college it's, it's almost like cuddly and approachable mm-hmm. and accessible. Yes rather than the shocking thing that... And this is the problem with making movies that are aimed at a Christian audience. And also, uh-huh. like I assume the point of this movie is, which not a lot of Christian movies are made this way anymore, a movie that's aimed at bringing in people not from Christianity to a Christian film. Christian movies and conservative movies have abandoned this. Now they just preach to the choir. God's right. Not Dead is not for liberals. It is for Christians to be vindicated and be like, yeah, I'm right. College was bad. And, <laughs> and I'm sorry that I do that Southern guy accent, but whatever. We know that that's true. So uh, I'm The I'm Southern guy with that, that voice that listens to this podcast is like, man, why do they got to do that? <laughs> why do they got to do me like that? Yeah, the ghost of, the ghost of Jim Varney is a yeah, huge right. fan of GCF. <laughs> We know value I mean. you, Jim. It's all about jacking up. Know what I mean? I do think that they were trying to be cool with this movie. Obviously, Donald Miller is yeah. a savvy marketing sure. uh, guy. I think well, they were trying to be cool. I think he was in concerned about turning a profit. Like, you know that this movie is one of the first movies to be crowdfunded. Like, it was crowdfunding, a started movie, yes. Crowdfunding was very new mm-hmm. as a concept of... Mm-hmm. And Christian entrepreneurs were so psyched about crowdfunding. <laughs> Caroline, what are you laughing at? <laughs> you just teed it up for Zach Braff. 
Don Miller walked so Braff could run and piss wait. What did Zach off. Braff crowdfund? Like, what movie was it? It was a movie um, called "I Wish I Were Here." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think I saw that. Remember you when didn't every? See it? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Remember when every so single movie was named like "Happy, Good, More, Please, Thank You, Happy"? You know, remember <laughs> all caps, all lower caps. I mean, um, that's oh that's like the crowdfunded style Crazy, of movie. Stupid love. That, yes. No, I do think that Donald Miller saw like Garden State and was like, "This guy made a movie for fully, a yes. And it, and yes, it, and it made so much money, and he got a he he got an Oscar for making an iTunes playlist. I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. Oh wait, you were going back to because I was also trying to put my finger on like what this feeling was of him, like because the, the liberal white world mm-hmm. is like annoying and embarrassing on some level and I think they should yeah. be made fun of but also it did feel like oh but all of these characters feel like yeah like stars hallowed townies you mm-hmm, know not mm-hmm. like real communities that he would ever engage with or like try to understand why they're right. angry about things beyond just like oh well obviously you hate church because like you were hurt by one guy you know so we can work on that well, yeah. I mean, like a lot of Christian movies, it's lacking uh, people of color and stuff. Uh, so there's that thing. But also, that makes right. it very Portland. Yeah, so, so maybe, Portland, maybe he I was guess, going yeah. for Portland <laughs> thing. Right. So it's like, I mean, on the one hand, you do deserve to like kind of make these people a little 2D. But on the other hand, I was mm-hmm. like, no, you, you missed the point also well, of like meeting them. And this and movie it, does something that other Christian movies do not do, as James was pointing out, in the sense of like the content of this movie is, you know, and this was part of their little press series. They were like, <laughs> yeah, it's not family entertainment you guys i think it might take some people i like all the girls are really hot and they're liberal but they're mostly bimbos okay gay girls talk about other girls butts a lot uh someone says asshole at one point there's jokes about a mexican shirtless gardener at one point uh you know so this ain't your mama's god's not that or fireproof i guess well there was a mother a whore there was a time when as I understand it, someone who who didn't feel welcomed by like liberal world, there was a time when the alternative stuff and the liberal stuff, it th- and this was the early to mid two thousands, you know that stuff was what uh, countercultural stuff was about being shocking and irreverent. The, these roles used to be swapped, and now the free speech and two A guys are the ones that are like, you know, uh, Steven Crowder is like, you know, I should be able to do black scent on my show uh, while all of my like jugheads are hooting while I do it and stuff like that. It's, it's weird to see all of these things kind of shift around, you know, what we used to think of as cool versus what we used to think of as edgy. Um, uh, How do you, how do you bring everybody together on a movie like this? And, and ultimately it just kneecaps it. You can't tell a story about a super liberal college in Portland and have it make any kind of sense to a Christian audience um, without losing something. And um, this movie loses something. It, it, it's neither for the the liberals nor for the conservatives, and so Jesus will spit it out of his mouth. It's neither oh hot God. nor cold. Man, you if know Andrew what I mean? Ebert had reviewed that movie, that's exactly what he would have said for his kicker. Because it is Blue something where the warm. conclusion... I'm sorry, go ahead, James. Roger Ebert did not hate October Baby. He was weirdly <laughs> really? kind to that movie. Uh- <laughs> One of the last wow. movies he may have reviewed. I, I, he reviewed it in like his like final like couple years on Earth. Um, and <laughs> that is such October a- Baby. 
Ebert. For Mr. Ebert's precious few last years on this. I'm just earth. saying. He was saying AV October. Club is way meaner to October Baby than Roger Ebert was, and I and there's something to be said about <laughs> That's that. That's incredible. But the conclusion of this movie is so amorphously lukewarm in the sense of like. You know, I was a real Christian kid. I went to the school, and then I kind of fit in with all these liberal kids and started partying. But you know what? I can't escape God. I'm a priest now. I'm sorry for Christianity. And that's how the movie ends, basically. Yeah. He gets in a priest like get up. big growth was just like returning to the religion that yeah. he started with, yeah. basically, both like slightly more open-minded the and Pope like more embarrassed about it. Yes, Which, exactly. <laughs> ultimately, it reinforces something that really does explain who Donald Miller is this movie it, it would have been savvy to write this kind of book in the 2000s when he did and he did he is a savvy guy who sees a lane and fills it and that's what this book did it paid off majorly Con for man. him lots of people who would never have engaged with his life philosophy did because he went a little out there and he saw the good moment to do it mm-hmm. and then he was right at the st- top of crowdfunding no one would ever give me two million dollars to make a movie like this and he found a population of people that would he strikes me as money he extremely he strikes me as an extremely savvy guy and um person with creativity would not have called their marketing company story brand but he he doesn't want to lose a single person he, he wants to make sure that every single person that comes across his website understands what the hell he's selling. And Well, if you took his course, you would know that's marketing one-on-one. It's just to make it approachable. Man. Back to basics. A, B, C. One, two, three. R.I.P. Donald blue, Miller green. found dead in a ditch after the <laughs> I know. It is so funny. Okay, I will say, too, on the subject of the actual movie, as I, I was alluding to, so many yeah. GCF alumni. Mike Maharg is a, an extra uh, some may know him as Science Mike in one of the My church name. scenes. Uh, Barrick Hardley, who we had as a guest on the show a couple years ago, he plays the town crier in the big party scene. Our friend Aaron McGowan was an extra in a scene. And then, oh, yeah. of course, James. You know Aaron? Aaron's my trainer. She's uh, she's the reason that the sleeves on all of my button-up shirts don't fit anymore because I've got hey. guns. Oh, I know. Aaron <laughs> got so jacked. I've known her for like 10 years. Oh, yeah. And her journey is like, it's it's amazing. She could choke it's me amazing. with like two of her fingers. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. This is this movie was shot in Nashville. They shot mm-hmm. Portland. They shot Nashville for Portland. Um, and um, uh, uh, it, it's... It's interesting to see. I'm telling you, Nashville is Christian movie Hollywood. If 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 you're like from the Christian world and you have an aspiration to be in movies, you were in Nashville at some point trying yeah. to do that kind of thing. I I there's lots of people who came. Did through. you have a mostly positive experience doing this movie? Because you said you had a part that was mostly cut down, say for the the vom here's the thing. Shot. I auditioned for this part. They said we were looking for like cool hipster type people. Like mm-hmm. that's like what the breakdown said, and I I think I I don't think I even did a scene for the movie or anything. I I just went into some random place and I auditioned for it, and then the movie sat dormant in development hell for like I want to say two and a half years or some shit. It well, felt- they had to get that animation perfect. They oh my god! Did okay. well they the wanted animation... to make sure it looked good and not disgusting. I want to hit on that at least once before we is, go. Is that when Gosh. he's like floating in space? Are you talking about that part? I think Caroline's uh... referring to Bunny and Carrot. Life is a highway. Um, oh, bunny with bunny <laughs> the carrot with huge jugs on Ooh. it. Oh yeah, unfortunately. that bunny. I was like, I, I, that bunny's not safe. 
Yeah. No. I don't like that bunny. There's like a Donnie Darko. They were like, this is too creepy for Donnie Darko. We got to <laughs> yeah, redo it this It felt like it was a horror movie <laughs> for a moment. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I do need to watch it. I confess I haven't watched it since I watched like a, a workshop version of it, similar to what you probably saw at your breakout room. Um, <laughs> yeah. I saw like Actually, a- Actually, I think that those ama- animation sequences, I don't think they had done them when they showed it to us. So it was like storyboard things. Oh, wow. really? I'm unlocking so many memories talking about Oh, my about God. This. And, and I'm just going like to describe the bunny carrot thing real quick. It's when he finds out, Donald Miller finds out that his mom's having an affair with a youth pastor at a church. He gets so mad that he gets in his car and drives all Big the way mad. To, to Portland. He becomes an animated bunny. And then there's a carrot that pulls up alongside him with a curvaceous body who he then drives all the way to Portland. This is this is an image based on a little anecdote, a little aside in the book where it's like, this is the story of Don the Bunny. And it's like, well, he's Don the Bunny. Oh, and the yeah. carrot, he's chasing okay. the carrot. And then he finally gets oh, the carrot and then he eats it and he chokes on it and it kills him. That's but right. that I context is not given at all in the movie. Yes, so that's just a good point. A carrot like, with huge bizarre. this was about. <laughs> yeah. And then there, there's like a little bit of a connection with the college scene, but otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Like you don't know what the metaphor is. Like it's so weird. No. And you think like, oh, is the carrot the girl, like Penny, who he eventually hangs out with? Right. And then you're like, no, Penny hates him. So it's not her. Penny and hates they him. don't even get together. It's so funny um, that they spend all that money to try to do that. Th- this movie is this thing where they're trying to serve two masters the, mm-hmm. the entire time. It's not, mm-hmm. it doesn't ever like pin down who it's for. And I mean, the movie is for Donald Miller and Donald Miller at this time in his life has no clue who he is. And I would say if you're in marketing, he still doesn't. I mean, his whole thing is packaging whatever for whomever. (laughs) Now, I mean, not to disagree with you too much, James, but I did take the story brand course. And what we need to talk about is the idea of a (laughs) subplot. Now, a subplot is a plot that is... um, the submissive one in an S&M relationship. So it's the plot that you give the most abuse and cause the most pain towards. And I think maybe that's what in the marketing world. That's the consumer. Right. (laughs) Oh man. What do we want to hit? I mean, we've been going a little long, but what do we want to hit talking about this movie? There's so much. It's a, there's so much. It was a truly messy experience watching it. We've watched so many Christian. What's that? It's a messy movie. They made it in chunks. I'm telling you that the pre-production was years from the production, and then yeah. they had a second unit in Portland. And I think at one point they ran out of money and made more of the movie. This was this was like a real labor oh to get this movie done. Oh, and I remember I was on the hook to act in it for a very long time. I auditioned, and then they said, you're in the movie. And then I didn't hear from them for, I'm not kidding, two years of college. Wow. I'm like oh checking God. in to see like what's going on. And... And, and your uh, voice dropped, so then that was like a whole thing too. His voice yeah, my dropped. voice dropped. In college, He's way taller Caroline. than when we started. <laughs> my all, voice the dropped. was all messed up. I had auditioned for the, uh, a high-voiced boy in some sort of uh, uh, classroom scene, and they had to and rewrite that character to be vomit boy. boy. Vomit boy. Football jock. You know, they gave um, me they gave me a uh, a strip of film. They gave me like the film cells of my my vomit, and I wow. immediately lost it, which is such a shame. Of your vomit? <laughs> yeah, of me like vomiting. I remember <laughs> so it was tr- cream of mushroom soup. It was cold. A PA came up and handed it oh. to me. I'd never vomited in anything before. Um, I drank. I I had cold cream of mushroom soup in my 
in my mouth and I, nasty. Yeah, cool. but I I committed and tried to make it spray as much as possible. And it's so funny to go from like thinking you're gonna have like a uh, a scene in these movies <laughs> to like here's what your job is tonight. This slapstick gag I was just watching uh, the other two and uh, when Drew Tarver gets his first acting role and it's like guy at party who smells fart (laughs) 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 it's kind of on that level (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah the quote Um, I wrote down I'm sorry go ahead Caroline well, I'll just say there's a there's another cameo you missed, and that's Natalie Dyer. Natalie uh, Dyer, yes, yes, God, yes, is also movie. in the youth group. Uh huh. And I was like, wow, she really got typecast for a little while. Natalie Dyer from Yes, God, Yes, and of course, uh, one of those upside down kids that that pastor that Zoom bombed us earlier was talking about uh, from Stranger <laughs> Things. Right. Yeah, I want to give it up to my good friend Meredith Fitzsimmons, who's an extra in one of the uh, lecture hall uh, college scenes. Uh, what's up, Meredith? Yes. I hope everything in upstate New York is going great. Oh. Thank you, Meredith. I hope you're vaccinated, Meredith, and thriving and healthy and doing great. Oh, she's doing great. great. <laughs> the the scene that I did take some screenshots for was um, Donald saying, uh, because your mom isn't having sex with the youth pastor, and then uh, Claire Holt retorts, no, my mom is just roaming the streets of God knows where having sex with JFK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And that was like... <laughs> Wait, what? And that's supposed to be a real like hard string. I'll say it again. Yeah, it's she said, to be like a, okay. No, my mom is just roaming the streets of God knows where having sex with JFK because apparently her That mom was grew so up out of pocket. Mental issues. So JFK this because was a, she's schizophrenic. Like she's so yes. yeah. Yes, like, like she has some okay. mental disorder. Yeah. <laughs> but right. it was supposed to be like, see, see? but you are eating your words now. <laughs> Why not? Why not Abraham Lincoln or some like? Why a notoriously like horny president? Like uh, my mom's on the streets of Philadelphia eating Calvin Coolidge's ass. God knows. <laughs> Don't laugh. And oh, she's man. also she was short term missions girl. She did say at one point in the movie, uh, the poverty in India is nothing compared to the spiritual poverty we have here in America. Right? She says a version of that. I think. Yeah, mm. which I think is a Mother Teresa quote. It's a Mother quote Teresa quote, she yes. Says. Which mm. Teresa and I, we do disagree on that. Yeah, I would definitely disagree with that. What did you guys think of the Civil Disobedience Club? The Civil Disobedience Club dresses up. Again, this is actually so Gilmore goes, guys might, excuse me, Gilmore Girls might be a good comp as a reference for some of for this sure. stuff. For sure. Lots very, of this stuff. Lots of uniforms brigade, and costumes. Like, ooh, let's do a silly prank where we're robots in a Barnes and Noble. And then also they put a condom on the steeple of a church. Why didn't this movie come out in like 2003 or four when all of this would have made a lot more sense? When like improv everywhere and and flash mobs (laughs) and like this kind of thinking was more prevalent. I mean, I I just remember this movie coming out and it immediately had aged so much. It it seemed Mm. just irrelevant to the to the time, especially to the level of like what hipsterdom had become by the time this movie had, had come out. It was like it didn't resemble. This Portland is not the Portland that I knew in 2012. Hashtag not my Portland, no. Like it was supposed to be really anarchist to do this stuff, but it ends up just looking like adorable. But silly anarchists. They're silly little (laughs) anarchists. They're precious, non-threatening anarchists. Yeah, exactly. It's it's New Girl. It's like a New Girl B storyline. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) yeah, it's like. This this also reminds me of another thing that I was realizing like halfway through the movie is that Donald Miller is not 
like the main character of this movie no. by any means. Who like, is it? Is it the bear? Literally anybody else in okay. the movie, <laughs> I think, actually would be more interesting. But like honestly, I think Penny would have been a lot more interesting sure, to like yeah, follow yeah. along or um, his his biscuits friend. I forget her name. Yeah, but... I wanted more from the carrot with huge cans. The yeah, carrot, more carrot yeah, with huge cans. cans. Golly, this movie is so huge. It was truly a putrid viewing experience. We've talked about so many movies that are bad in interesting ways, bad in uninteresting ways. This movie is is not technically a very good movie in a very interesting way, but in a way that while watching it, you do sense the authorship of like, yeah, we're giving it to you. This isn't your mama's Christian movie. This mm-hmm. is a single from the twisted mind of Donald Miller. Punk <laughs> rock, real like world, jadge. ragamuffin gospel. But an absolute <laughs> mess of a worldview. There's like, and I know, yeah. and I'm doing the thing that he scolded that woman for doing in the interview and like trying to boil down the message, but there doesn't even seem to be a point of view to the movie other than like, hey, life's messy and Christians should apologize for being Christians in the Crusades. Mm-hmm. Um, there doesn't, and it's playing with a lot of radioactive stuff. It plays with the idea of of sexual abuse of children by priests. Um, yeah. at one point in the movie, in a way that feels like uh, I don't know if it's irresponsible, but it's just very heavy for this movie that I'm not sure it knows what to do with it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very like everyone else's trauma made me realize something about myself of course <laughs> you know well that's like, the thing even that- the ending of the movie is him literally talking over everybody else's confession <laughs> <laughs> you know like if you think about it yeah. it's like him speaking for all of them instead mm-hmm. yep. i'm thinking that's like really va- like valor for him to do that mm-hmm. uh, a guy so concerned with narratives and plots and things like this <laughs> Do you think he would have learned at some point, like, well, the main character should have the most interesting things to say and the most inter- interesting things <laughs> yeah. happening to them? Yeah. Like, so many of these guys make these movies, and it's it's usually, like, aging white guys who make these things, and it's like, well, it's about, a, it's about a cool white guy. And it's like, okay, well, everything interesting and cool is happening to the side characters, and the white yes. guy's sort of folding his arms and going, oh, it's pretty crazy. And just being, like, insecure the entire time, you know? Well, the audience needs a, needs a, 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 a white guy surrogate for them to understand. We need a normal guy watching this right. happen, or people won't be able to <laughs> filter the information. And it's like, I don't right. know. I think your movie's just about these other people thankfully there's this is only a problem in the christian film industry in no other part of the film industry is it not just absolutely littered with a bunch of kind of like bland looking like thai we all have sheridan ass looking what's that caroline no i was agreeing with you yeah no this is this is only christian movies that do that oh yeah it's weird i thought i was getting i thought i was escaping some of the major like cardinal sins of movie making by leaving the christian film industry and uh, the, this movie is actually pretty similar to a lot of uh, things. I mean, the 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 mistakes it makes are similar to the mistakes that lots of lots of filmmakers and and writers make in, in their things. They just might be technically better, you know. It might be tighter, but that doesn't forgive, you know, what the fuck the movie's doing. And I think it's an interesting case study and maybe a more extreme example of the sort of issue with memoir adaptations or the folly of them. I think it's hard to do them very... I mean, book adaptations <laughs> generally I'm just laughing tough. at the guy dunking on running with scissors. It's like... Uh, yes! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> 
Okay, so 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 David Sedaris can talk about being at a speech therapist and gay, and that's cool. But if I come in here and I'm like, God is like jazz because he doesn't resolve, you're like, oh, uh, he's such a dickhead. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Me talk pretty one day. Me talk, me talk good book one day. Me talk good dick, book David one day. Me talk good business. Me talk good husband. What's the, who, what's the, <laughs> Elizabeth Gilbert, the E Pray Love uh, memoir yeah. author, and then that kind of nightmare movie with Julia Roberts and Ryan mm-hmm. Murphy. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of other examples, but it's tough. It's tough to do because the the memoir perspective is so personal. It is one person speaking into your ear is the experience of reading a memoir and making a movie is so, man, so much money and so many people coming together to serve a story, if you will. <gasps> There's that word again, uh, to serve a story. And so the existence of it being is justified still, unfortunately, on this happened to me. So it's interesting, which is enough for a memoir. But I think in this case and in many other cases, memoir adaptations fall short as a reason for his, his existence of like, isn't it interesting that this happened to me? There was a guy that dressed like the Pope and burned books. It's like, I guess it's kind of interesting. Like, yeah, this. you were around interesting people for yeah. a time in your life. Oh <laughs> it's gosh. like kind of how it went. I mean, anything else we want to uh, talk yeah. about before we rate this sucker? We've we've gone a little long. Thank you for being generous with your time, James. Oh yeah, thank you. Oh yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> this is the cool liberal Christian movie I was in um they they were trying to be cool i think they achieved uh uh you know something similar to what they were going for i think i think we all think that they were probably trying to be cool so Mm -hmm. they accomplished that Mm -hmm. uh so good for them not a lot of christian movies want to be cool so go for it yeah good job guys there's a sort of integrity to the attempt even if the <laughs> not a lot of Christian media <laughs> wants to be cool, wants yes. to be like seen as like this is for cool people, and mm-hmm. this movie makes a strong effort. Case against the veneer, though. The of Come on. <laughs> Any stray observations for it. you, Caroline? Uh, what was that? Any stray observations from you on the movie before we rate? Them? Oh, I mean, so much casual sexism in this movie. Um, we could talk about, but what I really want to talk about is jazz. Okay. And the thing is, the thing is with jazz, uh, you just never know what you're gonna get. It's Man. like cracking open a box of jazz. Do you, are you uh, guys surprised that um, Donald Miller didn't die in 2016? Because 2016 is the year that a little movie called La La Land came out, and I just imagine him going to a theater and watching Ryan Gosling talk. And explain jazz to Emma Stone. <laughs> and him just like, I don't know what happens to that man's body when he sees it. And Ryan Goss was like, the thing about jazz is John Coltrane. Right. And he, like, does he nut himself <laughs> to death? Does he have a mild heart attack? What happened? Oh, no. He he blacked out with rage that he didn't have the idea first, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have explained jazz to women more in my movie, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was pissed that Blue Like Jazz uh, had the, the, the cartoon uh, carrot boobs instead of like a uh, mid-air uh, floating uh, group dance kind of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He walked out of that movie theater and he said, you know what? The, that, that dialogue was good. I loved all the log lines they said to each other. Those were fun. <laughs> <laughs> Those one-liners. <laughs> okay, let's rate this thing the way it works, James, is we give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. A holy toast is a thumbs up. Holy toast, we send this movie all the way to heaven. Hey! 
That's your friend Michael Tate there on the vocals. Uh, <laughs> Holy Roast, that's a thumbs down. We send it, unfortunately. Or if we send it to Purgatory, we can send it to... The space between. <laughs> and we'll start with Caroline. Oh, man. You know, this is a movie for writers by a writer... It's writer core. It's Berbiglia esque. It's jazz. It's stars. It's spacemen. It's sex. It's lesbians. It's alive. It's clubs. It's uh, double bikes. Pulsing. You know, it, there's a lot of beautiful, powerful imagery ideas um, that I think would find themselves very much at home in hell where they belong. Yo! <laughs> so. Wow! roast home in hell the caroline ely memoir that's gonna get adapted in a couple years all right james what say you uh i'm gonna put it in purgatory because i'm praying for this movie to go somewhere you know what i'm saying (laughs) you think it needs one more kickstart and also 22 cent check in the mail (laughs) it's 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 protracted i don't think i've ever gotten money from blue like jazz no i i get i get like little four dollar checks you got screwed like jazz by that movie Um, because of its protracted development time and production time and release and stuff like that. It's got to be Purgatory because it it had, it it lived in developmental Purgatory for so long. And I think that that's what it amounts to is it's neither good nor bad. Wow. Wow. A compassionate take from James. Um, I will um, second my sister in Christ by sending this thing to hell. Wow. Man, I've really never had quite the experience watching something for this show that I had watching this movie. It was aggressively obnoxious to me in a way that <laughs> feels so special. And maybe it's like weird authorship, like kind of understanding Donald Miller as like a person and his whole deal, the, the grift of Latter-day Miller or maybe the whole day Miller, maybe projecting that onto the movie. <laughs> I, I want to honor and affirm, though, the value that the book did have for us and probably a lot of people listening to this show at a specific time in our lives. It was meaningful. It did expand something, even if it was just a few millimeters to the left of Miller what we meters. thought. Mil- yes, <laughs> Miller meters. Excuse Ooh, me. Ooh, he, uh, <laughs> he should one-liner that. <laughs> All right, I have a new concept, a Miller meter. He should get a patent on that. What if God, here's the question that I want to ask everybody tonight. If you don't come away with anything, I want you to ask yourself this. What if God were a business plan? Okay, so so God is the primary funding. Okay, so what's your idea? So we start with an idea. An idea starts with funding. I don't know. (laughs) Funding. Six Sigma and the Bible. More alike than you think. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Um, holy Rose. Gosh. Sorry. Sorry to this movie. Yeah. This be, is, uh, it would be this interesting is, to it, revisit the book, though. I'd be curious to see what oh has value. I gave those away a long time ago. Yeah. I got rid of all of my, but I still have my Redwall books. So let, let's you know where my priorities lie. <laughs> when I die, I'm not going to heaven or hell. I'm going to Salamander Strawn. Yeah. <laughs> the right, Badger well, Tower. <laughs> you can give it a roast or a toast yourself on our Twitter. Go to at Christian Fun Pod and Pokemon go to the polls. <laughs> we did it. We did it, Joe. Wow. We did it, Joe. Okay. We did it, Joe. Let's bring it down. Oh, uh, we're dimming the lights and we're lighting the candles in here. 
And we're taking it to a more worshipful place in space. We're taking it to one of those cool churches that James tried out and then said, wow, still not for me. Uh, a couple of years back. And James, we're not here to promote ourselves or to plug our projects. We're here to lift them up to the Lord as a loving and humble sacrifice to our almighty creator, the infinite artist. This is so triggering. Listening to this looping uh, effects pedal heavy guitar <laughs> is why we do it. really taking me back to that very narcissistic and sexual place that worship music has cornered itself into in the past you the know, 25 years baby. or so. Oh yeah. And we'll start with Caroline. You can praise the shit out of God Ew. with me at Caroline's Farts on, uh, you know, social media. Uh, this this week's Lift Up, I'm loving this show called Made for Love on HBO Max mm-hmm. uh, about, uh, it's like <laughs> Black Mirror meets the social network, you know? So <laughs> well, you're um, also no, it's a actually, ro- it's a lot funnier than that. Uh, it's not as like kind of annoying you know aren't phones gross caroline uh, anyway it's great you're leaving out an important detail to this that, what well you identify as a romano sexual right <laughs> yes i do ray is a, a huge part of my life yeah. um yeah w- always has been always will be always will be love you ray i, yeah, I, I love his career by him. his career rules i think he's yeah awesome. he does cool shit yeah he's sandlered he's that's interesting uh, we turn it to James. Yeah. Uh, what's up, everybody? Uh, it's my first time at uh, a church <laughs> wherever, but I'm having a great fucking time. Everybody's <laughs> been really uh, fucking nice to me and everything, so thank you for that. And, uh, I don't know. I just, like, had, like, a really fucked up upbringing and stuff, so you guys seem, like, pretty chill. And, um, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, thanks for sharing that, man. That was, we love you here. We love hey, you thanks here. Everybody. You're welcome here. Hey, thanks, everybody. Uh, I would like to lift up, uh, I have a podcast called What Things Are What Things, which is a stupid discussion uh, game show uh, where we figure out what things are what things, like uh, what what jackass cast members are what states of the United States of America Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, I also have a food podcast uh, with... uh, uh, comedian and uh, chef Danny Palumbo, pasta maker Danny Palumbo, where we talk about uh, food stuff. Uh, that's called the Macaroni Zone. And uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Twitch Great uh, under follow. the name Shrimp Jadge. Twitch. Uh, lots of impressions, lots of weird little thoughts, and um, singing and uh, pictures of my cute little wife and her biscuits. You can buy my wife's biscuits if you live in Los Angeles, California. She wow, makes very good southern-style biscuits. biscuits. Yeah, you should. Southern-style biscuits. Uh, she oh. has vegan ones, too. So oh, uh, hit her up. She's really good at making biscuits. I'm going to see uh, how a, a competent person does a baking business. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, well, thank you, James. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. I'll lift up uh, a subscription. My favorite subscription, the one I've a used the most. A subscription? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The subscription is for YouTube Premium. I've never been happier to spend however much oh it is a month on YouTube Premium. Are you Pre- kidding me? No ads. I feel like I'm flying through a, a, a wealth of, of knowledge. I keep thinking and, about it more and more. And this is how Kevin gets radicalized. <laughs> like, this is step one. <laughs> oh, no, I like it four weeks later. So do you think women are the new Nazis in a way? <laughs> well, truly, there's one race. <laughs> YouTube Premium. Uh, watching old clips of the Merv Griffin show or watching YouTube tutorials oh, for fun new software. Caroline, I'm having a blast, baby. 
I'm so happy for you. How much is it? Ride free. It's less than 20 bucks a month. It's probably like 12 11 oh, It's worth it. Okay. And, and you'll never be able to go back, unfortunately. I just did the one month trial. and then Sometimes the I came. think about your streaming budget every month, Kevin, and I just, I just laugh. I have no children. <laughs> I just wonder. I'm, a, I'm a single father of one. Of a, a father of doggers. I'm a father of doggers, as we established in the last episode. <laughs> you can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. You can go to patreon.com slash goodchristianfun for more good Christian fun. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And every review you leave, we donate a do- dollar to charity. This month's charity is the Red Canary Song Grassroots wow, Collective. Wow, someone doesn't like charity wow, in the Dexter, room. I mean, Dexter's the, pissing on the BLM he, side. He, he thinks, hates charity. He thinks the money's going to go from him to that, and I'm going to have to assure him <laughs> that it won't. Oh, wow, just, uh, he just lined <laughs> his pockets. James, thank you so much for joining us thank on the so show, Brad. What a terrific a time. Come back any time. We're going to have to do a part two. Yeah. For, for like years now, I've had people saying, you need to go on Good Christian Fun. So no. this, is, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy. Of, of the prophecy, wow. exactly. He is he is appearing. He, is he appearing has appeared indeed. indeed, and there's nothing left to say except for an off pods people said, amen. amen. James, what is a Christian song that you want us to go out on? What's the song oh, you want us to play? You know what my with? favorite Christian song is? What's that? He walked a mile. Well, 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 well. Is that Clay is that Cross? <laughs> what is okay, that? here we go. What Gotta a great hug. Did not keep himself away. He was no stranger to my. All right, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. He walked a mile (laughs) in my shoes. That was a HeadGum Podcast.